Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grap Up, the Once in a While Pro Wrestling Podcast from your friends at Link to the Cast. We're here to do our WrestleMania review episode. Uh, a long, arduous week of professional wrestling is now firmly in the rearview mirror, or at least it will be after SmackDown tonight as we record this. Uh, I am joined by... Uh, two-thirds of my comrades from the preview show. Sadly, Jack Lazell was unable to join us, but I'm joined by Mark Robinson. How have you survived the weekend, sir? I'm awake. I consider that positive. <laughs> and joining us as well, Barry Murphy. Barry, h- how are you feeling? I'm alright. I, 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 you know, the energy levels are low, but the the buzz is still there. I think the, the, the buzz is compensating for the lack of energy. Um, that That's kind of a good thing a uh, good question as good a, as any to kick off on um I, I was coming in with fairly low expectations um for the week in terms of kind of i wasn't feeling a lot of the wrestlemania card and things like that and i, I feel like i've come out not with a renewed passion for professional wrestling like i'm not going to go start watching raw every week but i think as, as a whole the week probably over delivered in terms of fun uh how, how do you feel about that Mark. Oh, sorry. Was that to me first? Sorry. You know, I nearly nodded off there. I was going to let you go first. <laughs> um, We're too goddamn polite on this program. That's the problem. No, I feel like you always go to me first. Barry, I'm going to let you take the floor with this one first. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think that was kind of reflected on our, our preview podcast. I was like, okay, WrestleMania uh, kind of mixed on the card and then all the indie stuff. I was like, God, there's a lot of it and only some of it kind of looks good. Mm. But um, I, all the shows I wanted to watch, um, I felt like delivered. And then I kind of, based on word of mouth and, and you know, some shows I watched just because they were included with, with an indie wrestling TV sub. Um, I feel like a lot of the stuff I took a chance on that I wasn't really looking forward to, I enjoyed quite a lot. I think there was a lot of surprise hits. I think there was a couple of flops and they were really only flops that I think people knew were going to be flops going in and stuff like, you know, IPW apparently bombed, which you have to expect based on their, their terrible promotion of that show. But yeah, something like but, 15 to 20 people, according to reports. Yeah. And, and of course, because because how would it do any better, you know? But um, yeah. like, uh, you know, I, I I watched you know like the indie wrestling TV sort of super show, and that was really great. And the the I watched you know like about half of the AIW show, which I was not planning to watch at all, and I thought that was really entertaining. Like you know, uh, stuff that I was not looking forward. To. I mean, every year at this stage, you know, people look forward to the game changer stuff, and they've kind of got a proven track record. Um, and WrestleCon has a proven track record, but it was, um, yeah, it was a really pleasant surprise. And then Mania itself was, you know, for the most part, there was the ups and downs that we'll talk about when we get there. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised with how the, how the weekend went off, and I did kind of like it as a as a binge season. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever, if there'll be another weekend this year where I watch as much wrestling in sequence as I watched this weekend. But that that was a good thing. I was having a great time watching most of it. Yeah. Uh, Mark, your kind of weekend of wrestling, there was a lot kind of compressed into a short period of time. Uh, You showed up at my house Saturday afternoon, and between Saturday afternoon and the start of WrestleMania, I attempted to fit in as much of the good stuff as possible. Um, So how are you feeling after that kind of Reader's Digest version of WrestleMania weekend? Yeah, I I realized that I wasn't going to be able to see as much as I wanted to. Uh, I, I got the RevPro show on Friday, um, but just because of just how much 
uh, wrestling there was um, and how sick you were going to be in terms of the amount you were going to watch. Uh, I figured uh-huh. that I figured that I could get a real just like highlights package of all the stuff that I should see, which I feel you did a very uh, a respectable job on. Um, and I can definitely feel that just I think it was fifty plus shows, around about fifty shows there were all together. Um, that's just a, a, a terrifying amount of, of content to try and consume. Now, I don't think all of that was uh, was available like through on demand or live viewing or whatever. But like, I can't even imagine for people that were actually were in New York and New Jersey. Um, you know, there <laughs> there was just wrestling nonstop that was available to watch, which was great for the wrestling fan, but not so much for uh, some of the shows that probably just shouldn't have run, as mentioned, the IPW UK show. Um, but in terms of what I, I got to see in the end, I, I was very happy overall. Um, more hits than misses. And just overall, just a real kind of you know celebration of this weird and wonderful thing that we enjoy. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the the way to go with this kind of similar to how we did last time if we tackle it in in three phases of the indies the g1 supercard and then wwe content um we'll start with the indies first and the way i want to structure this one is uh, rather than kind of exhaustively go through every show you guys saw every show i saw i think maybe if we'll kind of go around the table um with some of our key matches of the weekend, and then maybe uh, if any wrestlers uh, made it made an impact on us uh, this week. So we'll start off with matches, um, and uh, again to fit into the tone of the the polite proceedings of the podcast, I, I won't go first. Uh, I'll, I'll shoot over to you, Barry. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, I think there was a lot of there was a lot of great uh, matches from a lot of different genres this weekend. I think it was a good weekend. Uh, for a, just a real crazy spread uh, uh, of matches and genres. Um, and I was doing a lot of cherry picking. Um, to get my money's worth, I'm probably going to go back and watch some of these shows that I've bought but not fully watched. Mm. Uh, but from the, the uh, one show that I watched that was put up for free, that I believe was due to technical issues during the live stream, uh, was uh, Cavernario versus Dragon Lee from WrestleCon, yeah. uh, which was fantastic. I mean, it was like a, it was a big match. Uh, Dragon Lee spot fest, just tons of craziness. Um, I'd never seen Cavernario before, but he seems like an absolutely crazy man. Uh, <laughs> he did a, a, a top rope splash to the floor at one point, which was wild. Um, just really, really great, high, high energy uh, lucha libre. Um, really, uh, kind of under the radar match of the weekend. One of the better matches I saw of the weekend was Josh Bishop versus uh, Dominic Garini from AIW, which was uh, they had some goofy name for it. It was a night quit. Is, is it surrender or submit? I that was it. Yeah, submit or surrender. Uh, and this was, I, I think, the best kind of genre of match that we saw over the weekend. There was a lot of fights over the weekend. There was there was yeah, blood which I think we're going to talk about in depth. There was uh, Gary J versus Jake Parnell, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, there was a couple of other stuff uh, on the cards with the card. It was a good week for, for, for dudes just killing each other and, and, and really, you know, personal feuds, you know, some real intense violence that I really appreciated because I think going into it, there was a lot of apprehension that we're going to see tons of comedy and we're going to see tons of scrambles. That's good. You know, there were some great scrambles. But, uh, uh, you know, there, there was a, a surprising amount of heated uh, uh, fights. 
And uh, I had never seen Josh Bishop before. I've not watched AIW regularly in quite a while. Um, and I, I was very much impressed. He, these two, they had a really violent sprint. This was not a long match at all. Um, they just beat the absolute shit out of each other uh, for about 10 minutes, uh, including some kebab skewers in Garini's cauliflower ear, which was uh, a, a nasty bit of business. Uh, there was also an absolutely crazy, awesome bomb off the stage. I mean, they went all out. This was this was wild. Um, so, so I really appreciated that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, speaking of the, the 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 scrambles, I thought uh, on night one uh, the Janela show had just a magnificent scramble. This was like a, a PWG six man from their from their golden age. Just six relatively unknown guys, guys of various status, guys that I had not heard of before the show. Mostly with with you know like one one major exception. Um, it was Jake Atlas versus A Kid versus Jungle Boy versus Shane Mercer versus Slim J versus Australian Suicide, and they just they went out there and they did wild crazy spots nonstop for for about fifteen minutes. It was very much a kind of two guys get in the ring they do their wild shit two other guys come in they do their wild shit they do some multi-man stuff and it was tremendous and it, and it was made all the better by the crowd it was one of those matches where you watched it and you felt like okay everyone got over there everyone made an impression all these guys will be will be welcome back uh, so I appreciated that uh, also on the Janela shows the greatest clusterfuck uh, yeah. which, which I have to I really have to say I mean it was 90 minutes and there was a lot of uh, there was some dead wood in there and there was some downtime but I really have to admire the sheer spectacle of it I it was just crazy the the absolutely insane eclectic mix of talent the the intriguing ending I thought the way they paid it off with the women invading the show was actually very very well done very very cool um, and uh, yeah I was shocked at how this kept my attention for for 90 ish um, uh, so that was that was really great, and uh, then two matches from the Chikara show: Airwolf versus Air, uh, A Kid, which was really really good. Uh, Airwolf was someone who who I'd always touted to have a, uh, a a sneaky great weekend, and I think he did. I enjoyed him and everything I saw. Uh, and A Kid is great, obviously we know that. And also the ladder match main event: uh, Dasher Hatfield versus Mr. Yeah. Touchdown from from Chikara. That was great as well. It was a very heated match. Another very intense. Uh, kind of fight and a, a very, a very, very fun ladder match as well. So that was just some. I, I, there's probably some others that I that I love that we're going to talk about more in depth later because I'm sure we all saw them. But uh, those are just some of the matches, some of the more under the radar matches. I think people should check out. Yeah, so I'll go to mine next, I guess. Um, just kind of riffing off what you said there, Barry. Uh, you reminded me of there was there was another match on that Chikara show, the the build as the Golden Dream Atomicos match, which was like a bunch of the win- previous winners of the the Young Lions Cup. So we had Jigsaw, Razorhawk, Thunderfrog, um, defeat, and quote unquote Stokely Hathaway, which right. was uh, one Chuck Taylor defeating Cam Zagami, Eric Cannon, Herma Crab, and Hallowicked. Um, so yeah, that was just a lot of fun, and um, that that I think what was great about that Chikara show is at the time of day it was for us, it was like a mid afternoon show. It came at probably the perfect time to kind of just as a like a palate cleanser, kind of in the same way that on, on the Saturday then um, the Orange Cassidy show was like a, a perfect time to be like. Oh, and breathe, you know, because as you said, there was like a lot of really kind of 
there was a lot of fights, there was a lot of violence this weekend, and, and something kind of a bit different was needed at points to kind of recharge the batteries. Um, the best match I saw all weekend, hands down, was Minoru Suzuki and Josh Barnett at, at Bloodsport, which was a goddamn fucking masterpiece. Um, just be, like... <sighs> This is the kind of match you want from a show called Bloodsport. The the whole kind of the whole Bloodsport show, which uh, you've watched, Barry. Mark has watched most of at this stage, and and I watched a couple of times over now. Um, started off the the first couple of matches were a little bit kind of you know hit and miss. Uh, Phil Baroni's a maniac uh, and what have you. Yeah, that was that was very odd because it was like last year's show was was weird. It was like cool, but it was like they it, you felt like they were kind of finding their feet a little bit and then when yeah. they this one opened with Phil Baroni, I was like oh god I think they've gone in the wrong direction because he he was like an MMA fighter playing pro wrestler and it was very weird yeah and he was clearly um he he appeared to have imbibed anyway uh by the way he was he was carrying on and would re-emerge later in the night in the corner of Frank Mir yeah um but yeah the the main event what what can you say about it Barry it was just a fucking a war. Uh, I, I never would have thought... I, I think we both went the full five on this, and I never thought I'd do that in, in 2019 with one Josh Barnett. No, no. it was, it, But it was so... It was so the epitome of what this style is. It was just physical. It was just two big, mean bastards going at it, and, and they, they really didn't let up, even though you could tell Josh in particular was getting pretty tired there towards the end. Um, which kind of made... I didn't mind the overtime period being kind of slow because I was like, well, it makes sense that it would be slow. They've gone so hard here for 20 minutes. But, yeah. uh, God, this just this was just the perfect advertisement for this style of wrestling. It was just... It was so great. And, God, to see Suzuki in that atmosphere, I was so jealous. Because that, yeah. that route, the collective were running that, that, that weekend, it was not big. Um, and I, I was very, very jealous. But it was... Yeah. Uh, God, what a, what a spectacle. It just it the show felt different and, and that was the perfect main event. Also on that card, um I, I have two other matches here noted. Um Killer Cross and Davy Boy Smith Jr., which is one I would not have expected a whole lot from because I'm not really in on Killer Cross. I'm not a, a huge fan of his at all. And the same could probably be said of uh Davy Boy Smith Jr. And we we all know his his he can be uh, a little bit difficult to work with. Um but holy hell, those boys kicked the shit out of each other. Uh, and Killer Cross just looked like a beast. Uh, he really did. Yeah, he like if if he can have matches on Impact that look like this, that dude will be over like Rover in no time. He it, they just there was one point where they were just standing in front of each other, just doing full on chops to the clavicle, and it was just fabulous entertainment. Um, the the other match on this, uh, which was uh, I think per- particularly tailored to our group mates, Barry, is um, John Gresham and Masashi Takeda, who uh, the 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 latter is he he's obviously renowned for his death match wrestling, but uh, his mat wrestling is just phenomenal, uh, and this was another match that just it it felt like a proper shoot fight. Yeah, and I, I wasn't aware uh, Takeda had MMA experience. Uh, He's had actual was... fights, seemingly. Yeah, God, can you imagine standing across from him in an actual fight? He'd be fucking terrible. <laughs> but, uh, 
But uh, and the thing is, as well, it was, it was immediately obvious because he was he he just worked that style so well. And his speed when he took over, when he gave like gave Gresham like a like a hip toss, and he was all floating over. He's like, yeah, this guy, you can believe it. Uh, they, they, oh god, the segment where they went to the floor, they were exchanging slaps. Wow. God, that's great. That that was just great. Uh, and I love little moments like that in these matches where he, where the crowd just gets amped up at the physicality of it all. It was it was mm. really, really fantastic. Uh, one year, a totally different one here that myself and Mark watched together, and that was the best seven out of thirteen falls: Chris Brooks versus Logan oh, Easton Larue. Uh, oh dear, Mark, this delivered more than we would have expected. Uh, the two of us were almost crying with laughter. I mean, the, the thing is, in terms of the um, the format of it, uh, I've I've seen a number of two out of three fall matches over the years that follow the template of. Uh, the hill or whichever wrestler would uh, take a cheap shot, a low blow, or whatever, or a chair shot, or whatever, to lose the first fall, but then have the advantage to get like the next fall. Uh, and that was very much the case here with Chris Brooks, just blatantly low blowing. <clears throat> um, to he get... just to say it, tell it like it is, Mark. He kicked him in the dick. He kicked him in the dick. He did. Uh, and this was followed by uh, Kid Lycos, who was at ringside, then coming into the ring and also kicking. Um, uh, LaRue straight in the dick, uh, which is just high high comedy. <clears throat> um, and this was followed by uh, a number of uh, uh, roll not roll ups, but they were going back and forth with pins. Um, and I I think they must have traded about uh, seven or eight pins within about a minute. Yeah, uh, they got up to like six all, I think. And just yeah, like nothing obviously uh, to take serious in any way. And why would you want a show like this? Uh, but. F- Thoroughly entertaining stuff, and uh, I've never seen Chris Brooks have this kind of match before. Um, but he played it very well, uh, and I've never seen Logan Easton Larue before. But he, you know, he presented himself really well. Um, his gimmick isn't anything revolutionary, but he works it. That kind of like high-end rich snob. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good. It was a very good match. Uh, from that same, from the, the Orange Cassidy show, we also watched the, the scramble match for a $20 gift card for friendlies that the referee then revealed was a $16.67 gift card at friendlies uh, that featured Sonny Defarge, Tony Deppen, Jigsaw, Jake Atlas, Dan Champion, Lucky 13 and Airwolf. And this was just, Mark, this seemed to be a contest that was less about who can win the match and who, instead of uh, who could kill each other the quickest. This is just complete insanity. Um, and, I mean, there was a couple of guys in this match that I I wouldn't say I would have cared for in any other capacity. Uh, I think the likes of a, a Sonny Defarge. <laughs> you you hated Sonny Defarge when he came out. I... He did ridiculous. I mean, I mean, look, I'm I am not the person who's going to be like, look, if you're going to be a wrestler, you need to look a certain way, and for me to be convinced that you're a badass. But there was just nothing about he. Like I've seen jobbers that looked more convincing. Um, just nothing about his look was doing it for me. Um, Complete jabroni, he, as I say, <laughs> as I sit here um, doing a podcast about wrestling. But th- there were a couple of standouts for me. I think Jake Atlas uh, looked awesome in this match. Very smooth, yeah. very crisp with the way that he moved. 
Uh, Lucky 13, I was convinced when he came out, was Chris Day. Uh, sorry, Charlie Day, sorry. Uh, and he, I think he's voiced more than anything else, but he had an intensity about him. Uh, Tony Deppen really right, reminds me of Tracy Smothers. Uh. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure why, but there's a, there's a filth, there's a sleaze that I I very much enjoy that not a lot of wrestlers get to um and he just he just seems like a creepy little fucker but he was also very entertaining this match yeah, um, as we'll get to he had quite the weekend but yeah yeah it, it, it was insane uh Jigsaw picked up the win and instructed the referee to to place the, the gift card on his stomach like a like a belt uh and yeah it was just it was a great match uh with some like just kind of shriek worthy spots in the middle of this kind of uh comedy show uh, and, I also and also have... that has to be said dan champion does look like he does the the butlins circuit on a regular basis oh, yeah <laughs> like you know he, he he looks like someone that you would see a poster for something that just says like american wrestling that's <laughs> like four quid for your you know a family entertainment show yeah oh god yeah um i've also got barry have you seen lax versus the rock and roll express yet yes it was so good and the post match was better oh i thought it was great it was just these two guys at uh, a combined probably about 110 120 years old going in there with with lax who are kind of one of the like a deservedly so one of the kind of the the most talked about tag teams on the circuit at the moment and they fucking killed it including fucking i think he's 62 years old ricky morton hitting a canadian destroyer as a step-up canadian destroyer in this match like breaking up a pin into a canadian destroyer like that was fantastic that was so good it's absolutely one of the spots of the weekend, and and as Mark said, that the post match kind of them talking about how much uh, LAX talked about how much the Rock and Roll Express meant to them, uh, absolutely awesome stuff, and that kind of like weird matchup that turns into just a fabulous match and a memorable time, I think, is what these kind of WrestleMania weekends uh, are all about. But the and thing, the, final... the thing with that match more than anything else, though, is for the first five or six minutes or so. The, the Rock and Roll Express were... They were wrestling that match like two veterans that you would expect to be working that match. Like, not a single bump taken between the two of them. Um, I mean, there was like a... There was a... Uh, like a hip toss or a, a, an arm drag that was like the most physical thing they took. Everything else was kind of what you would expect. And then it just kind of breaks down for a little bit. But and that's the thing, is there wasn't like this escalation of moves that led up to this point where you're thinking well sure they're going to do something crazy it, it just that move comes out of nowhere uh it, it just you know the whole thing of that happening between where it was in the match and the team and, and the wrestler that was performing that move it's just one of the most ridiculous shocking things I've, i think i've ever seen in a wrestling match and uh and the crowd went fucking mental for it which rightly so yeah, uh, and then the final match I want to mention is uh, Gary J and Jay Parnell that uh, Barry alluded to earlier on, the last man standing match, uh, which was the main event of the independent wrestling family reunion show. And uh, a really good match, a really good last man standing match. Um, it, it was, it, I, I have a soft spot for it now because it was the main event of the first show I watched all week. And it really got me excited and set the tone for the week. Because these are two guys, I feel like I've heard the name Gary J before. I couldn't tell you for sure if I've heard the name Jake Parnell before. So I was going in relatively blind into this. Uh, they had had uh, 
a kind of infamous match before where uh, Jake Parnell's face got slid open by the hook off a turnbuckle. Um, and this was kind of the the kind of the, the, the last man standing rematch per se. And it was just fucking brutal. I, I think I tweeted at the time that I wasn't expecting on the first show of the weekend, this kind of afternoon family reunion show that I would see a Death Valley driver through a fucking door. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was strong. It was it was really enjoyable. Um, Barry, in terms of like kind of physical affairs for the weekend, this was a real surprise package. I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, I had seen you mentioned seeing Gary J before. He, he like he, I think he's been on and off in Chikara for years and years. Yeah, uh, I think I saw him there a long, long time ago. Um, uh, yeah, it was really good. I gave. And this was something I knew nothing about these guys or their feud. It was just kind of word of mouth for this match. I checked it out. It was great. Some people said to check out some of the earlier stuff in their feud. Um, yeah, it was it, it was great. And it's funny that that, that was one of the first live streams of, of the uh, of the weekend. And I think I uh, really got it off to a, a really solid start. Um, yeah, really enjoy, really enjoyed that. And I'd, I'd like to see some more from these two. Absolutely. Uh, Mark, your matches of the weekend. Uh, so, I mean, in fairness, you've you've both uh, crossed off a lot of stuff that I could have also mentioned, but I do want to give a shout out to the opener from the Rev Pro show that took place on the Friday, uh, CCK, which in this case was the tandem of Jonathan Gresham and Chris Books. Chris Brooks took on uh, what I have tentatively called the LA Dojo Lads because I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Um, but they, t- they are two of the uh, young lions out of the LA Dojo uh, being trained by uh, Shibata. And this was just a very uh, kind of straight up physical, intense match. Um, you got to see the best of uh, Gresham, who had uh, a very strong weekend. And I think he's someone that we can talk about in terms of uh, who raised his stock and his profile, even though he didn't get um, much of a showing in, I guess, what you could now consider his base promotion in Ring of Honor, other than getting completely annihilated by Shingo yeah. in the yeah. Rumble. Um, Still laughing about that yeah, shoulder tackle several days later. He he had a very, very impressive weekend because he had a lot of different matches in a very short period of time, uh, even I think within the same day in some cases. Uh, but the two, uh, LA, the, the Young Lions, um, they made a very strong impression for themselves. They showed a lot of fire, a lot of intensity, a lot of that just kind of um, pure straight shooting type of wrestling. Um, and I don't know how long they've been wrestling for, but, you know, they clearly uh, have picked things up very quickly. And I was we were talking about this on the uh, the episode two of the Honor Roll, which you can listen to over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, they, if Ring of Honor wanted to kind of bolster up their tag division or just, you know, get two guys in there, uh, kind of mid-card division. Uh, these are two guys that, you know, they don't have to go on excursion. They can still be wrestling based out of uh, LA, um, but they could easily bring them, certainly when they do their Vegas shows, because they seem to be in Vegas quite a bit, they could definitely bring them in and do some stuff with them there. Uh, so that was one match that... Um, is definitely worth going your way to, to see. And that show in general, the Rev Pro show, uh, there's nothing that's completely stand out. Like everything hovers between three to three and three quarters, but a very easy, enjoyable show to watch from beginning to end, which, you know, it was, it felt and it presented itself a lot like a, a Road 2, the G1 Supercard show. And, you know, a lot of those Road 2 shows are like that. So that's worth checking out. Uh, I mean, Osprey and Bandido. I, I don't think I have to say too much. Uh, this was awesome. I don't know if you ha- if you have the adjectives to describe what they can do physically. Yeah, it's it's completely insane. I, I mean, 
they both make the the style of wrestling they, that they do. Like them and Ricochet are just some of these guys that just make it look so effortless and easy and sometimes it's actually just disgusting to watch the ways that they, they wrestle it really is this it sickens me i i have i have watched those kind of matches with you before where instead of like cheering they do a spot you're like oh yeah it's just, <laughs> just like almost enraged it's like how fucking dare you and i think that all speaks a lot to my age more than anything else um but th- those two were awesome and i i mentioned it um before that like i'm i'm worried about uh, Bandido's usage in Ring of Honor because uh, he is quickly going to become just like this very underrated, underutilized guy who can just do so much. Uh, and I, I hope that he doesn't get wasted. And I mean, the sky's the fucking limit with Osprey. Like, you can do anything with him and he can pull it off. And, uh, you know, just you look at that match and you think, well, yeah, that'll hit four stars. And, it, you know, it does that even without trying. Uh, and then I'm going to give a little shout out to Joey Janela and Jungle Boy. Uh, from I think it was yeah. night two of the uh, it was yeah it was uh, Marco Stunt night one and Jungle Boy night two yeah uh, I really like this so this is Jungle Boy's uh, first appearance since the passing of his uh, father uh, Luke Perry and uh, I haven't really seen Jungle Boy before I think I've seen like a couple of gifs here and there but this is my first time kind of watching a full match of his and I mean he's 21 for fuck's sake and he holds himself very well he's got the poise um, you know, giving it a couple of years and he'll he'll thicken out a little bit, but he he's already like there. And I think if I'm correct, uh, all late have him signed yeah. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you, I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, if you can get someone that young who already kind of holds himself, and if they have whatever they want to call their cruiserweight or junior heavyweight division, he is someone easily you could you could. Uh, put the division around for like the next five years uh and also surprised by uh, i mean i don't think it'd be fair to say that considering the state of what joey janela's injury was uh i was surprised to see he that he was wrestling over this weekend but yeah. he there was nothing there to kind of say that he came back too early uh, i think he was uh you know wrestling up to the level that he is capable of um and it was interesting that he lost both nights but i mean well, with what these cards are, it's not really like a, it matters if he wins or loses. Um, yeah. So it was good for him to give the rub to, to Jungle Boy. And yeah, just, you know, nothing completely uh, out of the way that you need to see. But uh, for like a first impression of seeing Jungle Boy, I was really impressed. Yeah, I, I want to put an honorable mensch before we move on into uh, Jonathan Gresham, Shigehiro Irie from the, the main event of the Black Label Pro show, which was like a about a 10-minute sprint, and they just fucking battered each other. It's a really, really fun match to watch. Um, but we'll move on to kind of just um, to, to close out this section. Just uh, we'll give kind of the list of some of our... our, our our top performers of the weekend are people that kind of had gotten on a radar that weren't there before. Um, I'll start off. I just want to briefly mention Shane Mercer, who we, we talked about in the, in the scramble match earlier, who I saw a couple of times this weekend in, in various scramble type affairs and is just, Oh Jesus, like somebody needs to sign this guy because he is, uh, an absolute freak of nature at one point i think barry was it in the scramble match where he's doing the undertaker rope walk while he has a man in the fallaway slam position yes and there was also the uh there was also the spot uh in the scramble on the janela card where 
he had a he he pressed someone above his head. Uh, I think it might have been Jungle Boy, uh, and then uh, he choke slammed someone else with the other hand. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then was like lariating people with Jungle Boy hi- hoisted <laughs> above his head. I mean, God, it was so cool. Um, yeah, he worked like a real uh, fucking real big ass big man. Yeah. Uh, that was that was great. That was great uh, on a show on a on a weekend with lots of uh, guys doing flips. It was nice to see him do his thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then there's a man who, like we we all know him, um, MJF uh, had a couple of the. I wouldn't say he had an outstanding match this weekend, but I, I will say um, between the kind of the his back and forth with the crowd and his match with Ethan Page at I think the WrestleCon show, um, and his performance in the Clusterfuck and his performance in the dodgeball match on the Orange Cassidy show. Um, some of the finest comedic work of the whole weekend, I will say. Mark, yourself uh, and myself were watching him trying to get picked for the dodgeball team in tears. Uh, yeah, one of the finer performances of the weekend. I mean, the match is nothing to write about, but I think it, it goes to say that like MJF is by no means uh, you know, a, a wrestler that you watch for his wrestling, but in terms of his character... In terms of the way he carries himself, the fact that he just he sticks to that gimmick. Like I remember, he was uh, over here for OTT um, at uh, Homecoming, <laughs> and he was just he, uh, one guy was talking to him, and he was just simply like, "I don't talk Gaelic. Please speak slower for me." Uh, just yeah. just burying everyone that came into. Yeah, his, he also his said path. the. Uh... He also said the potato famine should have finished the job. Yeah, yeah. So he he knows his character, and he uh, again like AEW. Uh, it's a very smart signing because uh, you can't have a roster just full of like just wrestlers, wrestlers. You need to mix it up with characters, and he uh, he's just one of the more entertaining guys on uh, on the indies right now. And yeah, that whole segment, which uh, had no right to be as entertaining as it was, and a lot of that was down down to him. Uh, I gotta then talk about Bryce Remsburg. Uh, yes, a, legend. a, a legendary official, and I think Barry his magnum opus was this weekend as he refereed Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan, which really on paper felt like okay, this will be funny for about thirty seconds. I was fucking wrong. I was in bit laughing at Bryce's performance during this where he had his bad boy vision so that he'd be able to referee the match and a match featuring two invisible men somehow had like uh, brawling spots in the crowd it had uh, a balcony dive and a table spot and it's got to be said the star of the show here was was Bryce Remsburg absolutely he he was hilarious he he like this is a wonderful match that like played off uh wrestling tropes um yeah. and honestly like this i think it kind of encapsulates gcw's weekend i mean they everything they did they just knocked it out of the park and they really came off as as the cool wrestling promotion the promotion <laughs> for the older jaded fan who wants something wild and different and new and subversive and something that knows what it is and something that's kind of winking and nudging the viewer along the way in a fun way and, and, you, you know it's like th- this match 
you, you could you could pantomime two invisible guys fighting each other, and that would probably be amusing enough. But like the way it played off the tropes, including the balcony dive with the referees all taking a bump, like they're catching them. I mean, it was just yeah. genius. It was just so 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 good. And yeah, I mean, Bryce Remsburg there in, in in the middle of it all. I mean, who else who else could do it? I mean, he is he is just an all time great when it comes to to being a referee. Yeah, absolutely. And then the final guy I want to talk about, Barry, is a guy we both have on our list here, and that's Tony Deppen, who went from absolutely nowhere on my radar to one of my favorite guys this weekend. Um, between his performance in the, the clusterfuck and particularly his performance on night one of the uh, of, of spring break, where he wrestled a man with no legs... Yeah, like so. So they did. They did a similar thing to to how they introduced Marco Stunt to uh, to uh, GCW way back when. But basically, yeah, just saying, oh, I'll fight someone in this crowd, and he went up to this guy in, in the crowd who had uh, no legs, uh, uh, and it was like this big outrageous thing where, oh no, he's beating up a guy with no legs. But then the guy started to fight back, and he hit a six one nine, and again, just I wish I could have been there because it was just so great. Uh, yeah, Deppin's kind of like, again, GCW uh, this weekend really reminded me a lot of, of PWG at its peak. And Deppin is, is like when they'd have a really great, small, angry heel like Peter Avalon or some shit like that. Uh, just a, a guy of their own creation who's totally their own, who's just so charismatic and, and wacky. Uh, and coming out to we built this city on rock and roll. Yeah, like, why that song? I don't know. It's just, like, for a guy who's such a hated heel. Uh, but, you know, backs up a bigger, really great wrestler. I mean, God, it, it was just fantastic. And he, he, he was great in all his scrambles and, and, and superfluous other appearances as well for the rest of the uh, the weekend. Uh, yeah, he killed it. Uh, Mark, who were some of your standouts for the weekend? Uh, so, now, here's the thing. I know of Orange Cassidy. I know the gimmick. I've I've watched him before. Uh, I've never watched as much Orange Cassidy in a, a condensed amount of time, uh, <laughs> and it's it's impressive that he he kind of does the same match to a certain degree. Yet it it never gets any less entertaining because you're always just waiting for the moment when he just fires up and goes into just you know full on wrestling mode. And the build up to when he gets to that point uh, is always uh, it's always entertaining. Um, but he had one of the busier weekends, including having his, having his own fucking show named after him. Uh, but at no point was I was I not entertained with him, whether it was with Gresham, whether it was with Takamichinoku, whether it was the six man with him and <laughs> the new outsiders of Trent and Chuck <laughs> Taylor uh, against SCU. Um, he, I, I'd like to see it get to a point and. I don't know whether this will be in in a kind of bigger promotion where they get to it, but certainly having to get to the point where he um, has a match where he just goes full into just being you know the wrestler's wrestler and not doing the gimmick for um, you know because someone's pissed him off or whatever. Uh, but he just it's it's such a fun gimmick and he plays it really well. And I will never not be impressed by a man who can flip over an opponent, go into a roll, roll through it, uh, do a drop kick, and then do a kip up all the while with his hands in his pockets. Because you know who the fuck can do that with their hands not in their pockets? Uh, as mentioned, Jonathan Gresham. Obviously, we know how great he is, but uh, to again to have that amount of matches in the span of a few days uh, with a variety of different opponents in very different styles. 
uh, and to kill it every time. Um, and I think it was like him and Iri had barely any time to put their match together, and yet went I out believe there. Uh, the commentator said Gresham arrived three minutes before his music hit. Yeah, and they went out there and had a ten-minute sprint and killed it. Um, again, kind of just saying about Bandito in, in regards to Ring of Honor, like he—I mean, we already know he's a very underutilized talent, and uh, his matches with Lethal last year I, I loved, and uh, you know. They could do so much more with him, and he could do so much more in general. Um, so I definitely think that he raised his profile and he raised his stock uh, this weekend. And then uh, finally, Invisible Stan, just you know, an incredible mm. performance. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're the main two. Again, you, you two um, picked out a bunch of people. I will actually give a shout out to Killer Cross as well for that match with uh, Davy Boy because he's his presentation in Impact, and maybe it just speaks more to Impact than anything else is. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for me, but the way he came across here with that more kind of uh, Muay Thai style uh, presentation, uh, it, it worked. It really worked. And he came across as a legit badass. And there's something there that Impact needs to tap into because they have him and they should um, that hasn't kind of translated across to that product yet. But they're too busy dealing with the fucking undead realm and stabbing girls in the neck. So what do I know? <laughs> Um, Barry, who are some of your, your ones to watch from this weekend? Uh, yeah, so I mentioned Airwolf there earlier. I thought he was uh, he was very enjoyable in, in, this, in the places he was uh, slotted into. Uh, let see here. Jake Atlas was someone who I really, really enjoyed. Super crisp, uh, really athletic guy with a, a lot of charisma. MJF, which we already mentioned. Uh, some people who I am like I had heard of or I've seen even a couple of times, including someone I've seen live before. But like a kid, I thought was really great. He's someone who hasn't properly cracked America yet, but I thought he was very very entertaining in his in his role uh, this weekend. Uh, Masashi Takeda, uh, I I really really enjoyed. Uh, uh, our good friend Zig was disgusted when he found out that Bloodsport was my first time ever watching a Takeda match. Uh, <laughs> he was great at that. And then I, I I thought his his death match with jimmy lloyd was was fantastic and uh, even though he's a staple of the scene and everyone knows him and knows what he is i thought nick gage was just fucking awesome uh, uh on this weekend of cars i thought his charisma was great seeing him in that gcw environment where he is just beloved uh was so awesome he's uh, one of those guys that's just he's a sight to see <laughs> yeah i i want to see him live uh kind of just for for the novelty of seeing him live, to be honest. I don't know that there's necessarily a match I would like to see him have, but I would just love to see the game live. I mean, honestly, my big takeaway from this weekend was just I want to go to a Game Changer so show really, really badly. Yeah. They, those dudes absolutely nailed it. Uh, like like you said before, like every show, it's just they, they get it in a way that a lot of indies really try to get, but just don't have nearly the same hit rate that the GCW seem to have. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll leave the indies there and move on from there. Um, and myself and Mark did give uh, quite lengthy thoughts on the, the ROH New Japan G1 Supercard. But um, Barry, do, do you have any thoughts? Did you see the card or what, what are your takes coming out of it? Are you super hyped for Matt Taven and Kenny King? Well, I watched it. I watched it live, and I just thought, I thought it was mostly tortuous. To be honest, I was so bored during most of it. I like I watch New Japan semi regularly, 
uh, and so that's fine. So they and they mostly did fine, but Ring of Honor is like I haven't I haven't consistently watched Ring of Honor in a long time, and I'd heard some positive things about the directions they were going. You know, they made some all right signings. You know, they got Bandito and they got Mark Haskins, and uh, they got you know they got Big Jeffrey. They got which Big Jeffrey Cobb. Big Jeffrey Cobb, you know, who we who we like. And, you know, Brody King and PCO. Was like, yeah, you know, those two don't really do it for me. But their match on this show was good, you know. And so I was like, oh, let's, let's, let's see what they do. I mean, this should have been this should have been a, a home run. And I think I think the on paper, the two companies put together a, a great card top to bottom. And I just thought Ring of Honor just shit the bed at every turn, to be honest. I thought I thought it was a massive, massive letdown. Uh, I thought the opener was really great, and then I thought the women's match uh, was just embarrassing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I realized it would be really it would be a shame to leave a, a, a title and a division off a big show like this. But I I think they I would be better if they had nothing than than had that Kelly Klein performance. I mean, it was just terrible. Uh, they had a shit match, and then they announced that they were bringing in the beautiful people who are not only <laughs> shit, but were shit 10 years ago. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's, you know, 2009. I mean, it's kind of crazy to say, but that's a decade old act. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, um, I thought the heavyweight tag was great. Um, PCO killed himself and, 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 you know, he worked super hard. Briscoe's worked hard. New Japan teams were great. You know, that was a, a great effort by all four teams. And, you know, who talked about that match after the fact, up, including, you know, right up to now, several days later, nobody, because they immediately debuted Enzo and Cass in a, in a, in a work shoot angle that everyone was annoyed at. Um, uh, I thought the bully Ray stuff was torturous. Thought it was com- completely awful. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I I don't know anything about Mega Ran. People on the on on the timeline seem to know who Mega Ran was and have some respect for him. Yeah, yet... I like I like him well enough in a context that isn't this. Yeah, but it's like um, my my exact thought when he came out was like you're doing a, a like your Ring of Honor and New Japan and you're doing a song at your wrestling show. Like, come on, you're supposed to. You really should be striving to be the antithesis of WrestleMania here, not. Getting celebrities out to do songs and do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, so oh yeah. People wanted, and then Bully Ray came out, and so he did his open challenge. And like, I mean, wrap your head around the logic of the open challenge, where it was first announced as a mystery opponent, then it was announced as Juice, then on the night they announced Juice was jumped, then they had Flip Gordon come out, then they had interference, then they had Juice come out to make the save for the interference. Uh, but he wasn't even selling the beatdown as well. That was the really uh, weird thing. I thought that whole segment was like a train wreck. I I, I, I really didn't like that at all. And it, the 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 brawl was just um, was just it was an ECW tribute. Just trash cans. It was, it was way too long as well. Way too long. The other thing as well. I was I, I think what could have redeemed that segment. Like there was a part in it where where Bully hits Flip with a kendo stick and he in the, in the back and he like splits him open. He really killed him with the kendo stick. Uh, and Flip, they basically kind of sort of recreate the Tommy Dreamer Sandman thing from the nineties, where where Flip's like, "Go on, give me another hit." Bully gives him another hit and all this other stuff. 
And I was watching that, and Flip's back was destroyed. I mean, he really split him open with it. I was like, why are you doing this in this stupid fucking match that no one's going to remember? No one even, I didn't even see anyone talk about that spot. Not only that, the fact- they've done this angle before as an actual angle and not in a wrestling match. So they're, they're retreading something that was retread 20 years ago. Well, that, that just makes it even more, because I haven't, like, like I said, I haven't watched Ring of Honor in a while, so that, that was lost on me. But it was like, if you if Flip is the, I mean, you know, like, just just do Flip and Bully. I mean, I realize it's been done, because I know they had, like, an I quit match. They have had some matches, but it's like, like, like Flip's killing himself, busting himself open for this match no one's going to remember. I mean, God, it was just kind of tragic. And I think that was the word. I think it, it was it was Ring of Honor's offering on this show was tragic. It was like, I came out of this weekend wanting to watch every... I wanted to keep up month to month with GCW. Like, I'm going to just try and not just watch their spot shows, but follow their their shows. And I was like, I'm I'm never going to watch Ring of Honor again. I mean, I, I it'll probably be the next time they have a big weekend like this you know, in a year's time where I might jump in and say, okay, let's see what they have. You know, let's see if they've right, righted the ship anyway. But like, not a chance I'm watching uh, Ring of Honor television after this. Uh, the ladder match, I, I, I didn't want to go too hard on the ladder match. I saw a lot of really negative reviews for it. It, it was boring. They did kill themselves. I mean, Jay Lethal took that crazy ladder bump, like the power bomb across the ladder. But it was so boring. No one cared. And Taven won and just... Oh, it was the Ring of Honor was just out to lunch on every single decision, um, and uh, I thought it was a. I think I think it, it, it'll be remembered as a as a, a legendary ball dropping on on their behalf. I mean, they just they they made about as many mistakes as they could have. Um, and then the New Japan side of the card, I don't really have too much to say because it was it was mostly good. The Junior Three Way, great, bit short, but great. Uh, Osprey uh, Cobb was 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 a great time. Uh, uh, and then uh, Naito Ibushi was just incredible. One of the best matches of the weekend. I love their matches together. Uh, I love their complete disregard for their safety. Uh, <laughs> and I am unfortunately very. Uh, the, the main event was unfortunately that one of those matches where I feel like the, the Okada formula just kind of wore out on me. And I, 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 I think after that long of a show and after the things that Ring of Honor had put us through, I don't think we had the endurance for the, the long main event with the kind of like slow build up. Yeah, that's that, that's the other thing as well. As I mentioned how, you know, the, having a musical act, which is not you should be going for the antithesis of WWE in your show. You also you should have a five hour show. Come on. Like that's completely that was completely overindulged. And I think. I think as much as I didn't like it, I think you have to have a 40-minute Okada match. You have to. Like, if you're selling people the, the New Japan, the legitimate New Japan experience, not the OTT, you know, Naito comes out and does his high spots. Like, like if you want to give people the actual New Japan experience, you want the you want the, the pop and the circumstance and the Japanese ring announcers and, the, and you want a title change and you want epic near falls, that's fine. But if that's the plan, then cut half the other, half the rest of the show and get it down to like four hours at, at, at tops, you know, four hours tops, maybe less, uh, uh, rather than, than doing over four hours and then having Okada go 40 minutes. I mean, I, I can't say the match was terrible or anything. I mean, the closing stretch was great. It was, it was, it was an Okada closing stretch. It's never going to be bad. Um, but I, I, I didn't really like the first half of the match at all. And I don't, I don't like Jay White and I don't get Jay White. Uh, I think he comes off like an indie dweeb, uh, and I, I just don't buy him at all uh, on any level. Uh, so I was, I that show was the disappointment of 
of the weekend for me. Uh, and I feel kind of bad for the New Japan guys, and I feel bad for a lot of the Ring of Honor talent as well, because there's a lot of guys like Jeff Cobb who are obviously great, you know. Uh, even as awesome. we, even as we said on the the honor roll, uh, Mark's podcast that you can check out on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network uh, when yeah. it drops our review of that our review of that show dropped yesterday. Uh, we said even the commentary team, like they were doing the Lord's work trying to sell us on some of the bullshit Ring of Honor was doing, and they don't deserve to be put through that. No. No, of course not. Yeah, I, the um, only things I'll say, um, just to give a very condensed version of what we spoke about yesterday, but um, Ring of Honor had given themselves a fair amount of goodwill coming off of their 17th anniversary show. Um, like, that was pretty much the top to bottom, a, a very good show. And uh, the feeling coming out of, like, Final Battle from the end of last year is that they had taken some pretty good steps to... Uh, deal with the mass exodus of uh, the elite and the feeling that okay they've they've brought in people like Mark Haskins, PCO Brody King, um, Juice Robinson's kind of doing more stuff in North America, and like you know they were being proactive about it and certainly with the signing up of talent from either WWE or AEW now even even Impact is is you know signing people where they can. Um, they were being proactive, and this was a real chance for them to, on you know, the biggest stage they've ever had, with the most amount of people watching, to present like, you know, there was a good chance there were probably a lot of people that had maybe even watched Ring of Honor in the past, uh, or just just new eyeballs, to make a statement of like, this is our product, and you know, we're here, and there's a reason that we work in conjunction with New Japan because we're at their level, and they just across the board. Uh, just fell over on their face spectacularly. Um, and it, I'm really curious to see what their direction is going forward. I'm very curious to see why they put the belt on Matt Taven and if they actually go ahead with a Matt Taven Kenny King match because that is just death uh, personified. So, yeah, I was. I was really disappointed with what Ring of Honor presented, and um, a lot of the, the the talk has been that uh, Bully Ray has had quite an influence on the company, and that's why we have the likes of the Enzo in casting and Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, and and you know what? Even to a degree, I don't mind the whole Love and Sky thing because they don't have a roster really of women and. Uh, they are not the complete... I mean, I've seen Love and Sky have better matches than Kelly Klein did on Saturday. So, I mean, we're going to grade on the curve, then sure. Uh, but the whole Enzo and Cass thing is just... It's such a toxic entity to touch. And uh, I, I can only hope that this is just like a month-long feud just to give some people for the Briscoes to just absolutely wipe the floor with and then we never hear of them again. Yeah. But I'm not confident about that. Yeah, because that, that was the that was the real head scratcher that you and I had, Mark, when we were talking on that podcast. Is that like whatever about if it was you know a really controversial signing to the company, but they were going to deliver like four and a half star classics, you know, knock it out of the park on pay per views and just to kind of let their ring work do the talking. They're terrible. Like Enzo and Cass are awful. Yeah, I <laughs> I can't really it's expand just, on that because that is pretty yeah. much it. I, I, uh, 
it just makes it just confuses me. That's that's what like it it doesn't even make me mad now. I was kind of mad in the moment because I was like, oh, poor like Zach and Tanahashi having to follow that when everybody was kind of just on their phones typing what the fuck over and over oh, again. Yeah, like the the oh they they were <laughs> escorting Cass out as Tanahashi was coming to the ring. Oh my <laughs> god, like. <laughs> Like, it sucked. Like, Ring of Honor was like a big shit stain on this show. It's like, it's like usually the Ring of Honor involvement in New Japan shows. And this was, I mean, like, this was a New Japan show. I mean, let's not even kid ourselves that that, that, that ROH brand sold so much as a ticket to this thing. Because, like, the, the, the most beautiful uh, microcosm of who sold what on this show was the the rumble the pre-show rumble because you watched the rumble and you went oh my god this show is so good on paper and they didn't even book ishii in a match ishii's in the rumble suzuki's in the rumble liger's in the rumble liger's on his retirement tour and he's in the rumble new japan has so much depth and then every time a ring of honor guy came out no one gave a fuck no one knew who they were it was like it was either a combination of people I didn't know who they were, which is fair enough. I don't watch the TV, that's fine. But like I, I still have a, a vague understanding of a lot of names on the scene, but I had not heard of half the people representing Ring of Honor. Or it was like forty year olds like Kenny King and Rhett Titus coming out with his seventeenth gimmick in his life. And and like nobody and possibly he's worst. And possibly his worst. He looks ridiculous. He's doing a bodybuilder thing, so he's a bodybuilder tad. And I was, he looks like such a chump. I, I was saying uh, on on our review uh, the other day that like they did a bit where they were trying to um, have this kind of like, oh my god, it's Rhett Titus and it's Will Ferrara. The dogs are they getting back together? I'm like, this was met with complete silence and apathy. <laughs> and how the fuck did you not see that beforehand? That that's what the reaction would have been. Yeah, fond- fondly remembered Ring of Honor act at the dogs. Yeah. So the the thing with this coming out of this more than anything else, I'm curious to see um, if New Japan want to do this next year over Mania Weekend in Tampa. <laughs> I can't imagine they would want to be attached with with Ring of Honor. Like, I surely they must have looked at this and said, "Fuck this, we can do this on our own. We don't need yeah. like for the whole purpose of, of uh, booking out Madison Square Garden." I get it, sure. But they must be, have the confidence now that they can go and uh, pick any building in Tampa next year and know that they, if it's under 10,000 people, they're going to sell it out easily. Yeah, I, I imagine, you know, when, when plans come together for next year, um, Ring of Honor are going to be the, re- the recipient of the greatest left on red uh, of all time from New Japan. They are going to be losing numbers for Ring of Honor people left, right, and center because fuck me, I would not want to work with that company again if I were in New Japan uh, after that. Jesus yeah. wept. I, I wonder, is it is it just a, a legacy thing? Like, well, we've worked with them forever, so we'll keep working with them. I mean, maybe New Japan just kind of don't really care. But if they do care, I mean, God, I mean, I don't, I don't know if if they have like a contract with Ring of Honor. Do they renegotiate, or is it just a case by case basis? But yeah, if I was them, as soon as possible, I'd be hoping to. I mean, I know they're an unknown entity at this stage, but God, I'd just be hitching my wagon to AEW and be like, look, it can't get, it can't be worse. It can't be worse than what we're dealing with. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, the that honor one. roll. Check it out every Monday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's yeah. You can you can. I look I look forward to to hearing Mark try and uh, uh, parse all of this on a, on a week to week basis. Um, I give it three months. 
Yeah, to think, Mark, you you criticised me for going to uh, watch all of Thunder, and it seems yeah. We're, at least uh, you get Lex Luger. Like, I what do I get? Yeah. I get a knockoff Lex Luger and Red yeah. And at least I definitively know there will be an end to watching Thunder. Well, I mean, if they put on more shows like this, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, let's move on from some of the worst of the weekend to some of the best of the weekend. NXT TakeOver New York. Um, this was a hell of a show, gentlemen. Uh, five matches, five championship matches, very little fat on this show. Um, and I, I don't think there was a single match here that failed to deliver. So let's just jump straight into it. NXT Tag Team Championships. Uh, War Raiders versus uh, Ricochet and Alistair Black. And this, uh, seeing as we have a PWG expert on the line, this was like a crazy PWG tag match where these men just fucking murdered each other. Yeah, they went they went all out. It was great. It was one of the best openers I've seen probably anywhere in quite a while, but NXT specifically, all action, everyone over. This I mean, think this whole card, I mean, it was just it was just quintessential great NXT. Everyone looking like a million bucks, crowd on the edge of their uh, of their seats. Uh, uh, just tremendous stuff. And I have to say I was already lo- I've already loved Alistair Black's NXT run for the most part, but uh, god, him and Ricochet are, are top-notch tag team wrestlers, I think. Um, uh, they've already they've already hit a groove uh, uh, together in in a very very short period of time, uh, and I, I enjoyed this a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, uh, Mark. As far as a um, a swan song for for Alistair and Ricochet, it couldn't have gone much better, could it? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, um, so Alistair Black's been there for two years, I want to say. And Ricochet is just straight up one year. He started last year's Mania. Um, I Alistair were, was more of the surprise of the two because a lot of people have always said that um, sometimes in his independent run, his singles matches could be a little bit hit or miss. Uh, I think he's been purely just a hit. Um, a lot of people kind of wondered how his presentation and his gimmick would translate, and I like that they went. And it's pretty much in his song itself. Like, no man is ever truly good. No man is ever truly evil. Um, and he kind of. I'm curious to see how they'll go with that gimmick on the main roster, and I feel that the the subtlety hammer is going to get smacked over our heads. Um, but his whole presentation in his time in, in NXT has just been a home run. Uh, and Ricochet is fucking Ricochet, and uh, like they could have put him up on, on the main roster. You know, it just skipped NXT, and he would have been completely fine. Um, so I, you know, other than them just having no idea what to do with them, which is always the, the, the worry, they'll be fine. And the War Raiders, every single time, I think the same thing. The gimmick, real dumb. Them as wrestlers, fucking A+. Uh, they are just killing it. And I was... I The only concern I had was, was that, uh, like, Strong and uh, O'Reilly last year were, like, one of the top three tag teams in the world. Um, just everything that they did, everything that they touched just fucking killed it. Uh, and I was worried that war raiders were not gonna kind of live up to that but i mean this match was just fucking ace and um i don't really know who i i can't say i'm enthralled by the idea of like them and say i don't know like the forgotten sons uh which could be you know they seem to be the the team getting a push at the moment Uh, uh, 
if the War Raiders can get a four-star match out of them, then all right, yeah, fucking put them in the Hall of Fame already. Uh, but this match, like uh, every time they have the, the tag match, it seems to be the, the consistent thing now is the tag match will open the show because it's just it's a constant home run every time. And yeah, this is just fucking awesome. Yeah, absolutely smashing. Uh, move on then to the NXT North American Championship as the Velveteen Dream, thankfully, because uh, I was quite worried that if he lost, he might get called up. He retained against Matt Riddle. Now, this one started a little bit slow, which was disappointing because there was a lot of talk going into this match about how the two of them have this really unique kind of chemistry from the shows they've been doing on the Coconut Loop that they, they actually have been having great matches. So uh, I was a little bit disappointed in the opening couple of minutes of this match, but fucking hell, Mark, it really kicked into gear at a certain point. I mean, you say that, but the, the even before the match started, Velveteen Dream came out with the entrance of the weekend, and if there is uh, yeah. any man, like, there is no man on God's green earth who has the presence and the aura that, that fucking Velveteen, Velveteen Dream does. And uh, again, and I think we say this every time, we fear the day that he comes up to the main roster and how quickly... Uh, he may become irrelevant. Uh, and I also think from this match, we can now really put the bed the idea that this guy is either being carried by the other wrestler or that he's not as good as we think he is. I think he's a very good wrestler. Uh, he doesn't wrestle in a kind of conventional manner. He's very much... He feels very much like a modern Randy Savage in a lot of ways, and not only just the fact that he has the pomp and circumstance, but... You know, he, in fairness, he has a lot of Randy Savage's moveset, but he wrestles like a a kind of modern version of a, a, a WWF late 80s wrestler, uh, but one of the good ones. Um, it's, you know, there's not a whole bunch of crazy moves. He does have, like, the rolling Death Valley driver, but he just has a presentation and an aura about him that just no other wrestler on that roster does. And Matt Riddle is fucking Matt Riddle, and other than his gimmick still being just something that doesn't work for me in the way that WWE present it, and his best stuff has been, like, what they've done on the WWE PC YouTube channel and just kind of presenting him and talking about him and his family and just his journey to uh, NXT, which they've done with the likes of Roderick Strong before, and they always work. Uh, he just, uh, he can't do no wrong. And, uh, yeah, this match killed it. Uh, Barry, we'd kind of expressed a concern that Riddle hadn't really got going uh, in, in NXT yet. Is, is this, has this uh, satisfied you as a, as a kickoff point to start fresh for him? Uh, yes, I think I think that's my fairly succinct answer. I, I was very, very happy with how this went. Um, uh, I think they both looked great. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty positive experience as a Matt Riddle fan. I, I was very happy with that. And I was very happy with his Twitter adventures on the remainder of the weekend as well. So a good a good weekend for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some some crazy stuff in this match. Uh, the the Abushi style uh, German suplex over the ropes had me shrieking. Uh, Matt Riddle hitting the twisting senton. I wasn't expecting in in, in that moment. That man is ludicrously talented. But uh, yeah, a really really good match. Uh, we move on then from that to uh, the WWE UK Championship as Pete Dunne's uh, historic reign came to an end at the hands of Walter. 
Barry, we've seen both these men. We've been privileged enough to see both of these men uh, in, in our local promotion OTT for for a long, long time now. Um, in Pete's case, and more recently with Walter. Um, I really like this match. They're probably just kind of based on what I want the Walter character to be. There probably would have been some tweaks I would have made, but on the whole, uh, a very good match, I thought. Uh, yeah, I think so. Not the not the classic uh, uh, we might have thought if this match was happening here or or even in progress or something like that. But a uh, great introduction to Walter. Um, uh, yeah. What they, uh, it was there were some issues. I thought I thought they went a little bit too fifty fifty for my tastes. Um, yeah, that that was my thing. Is that like Walter, big scary Walter? You're trying to introduce him, educate this uh, WWE crowd on what he's like, and I think something more decisive probably would have even if it was at the the sacrifice of the the crowd not getting into it as much because it wasn't the back and forth nxt style epic i think long run it probably would have served them better to have this be a bit more decisive yeah i i I think i think nxt i think they pride themselves on that match quality i mean it's so important to their to their brand yeah i don't i don't think they'd sacrifice it i don't think they'd sacrifice pete either i mean i think i i don't think feed him to the wolves uh but you know I, I do think the match suffered as a result and like walter kept going to the top rope which like you think about how that's a protected thing of the indies like he does it for some big matches when he can't put people away and then here he's like doing it in his first pay-per-view match I'm like eh, not so much into that but uh, they still work super well together and and great near falls and uh you know two two top-notch pro wrestlers and good to see pete have a a, a bag in match because it's been a while since he's had a really great singles match so uh yeah, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit, all things considered. I think I think that um, with this match, like I don't think you're going to see this kind of match with Walter that often. Um, like we've only had a couple of squash matches, and then you've had this big match. To this is like his real introduction. So um, while I I do agree that maybe it would have been better if it had been more decisive, they definitely weren't going to do it with Dumb, and I don't think that 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 would have been a disservice to Dumb with how long he's had this belt, and you know just him and who he is so i think that you can have this one match to kind of set the tone for just how physical uh volta is um but you also kind of send off done in a way and whether he goes to nxt or the main roster but you can just from this go straight back to what we have been doing with volta and just him being just completely dominant and and physical and violent and then kind of build up whoever his first challenger is going to be so i, I do agree that uh, this match was, was a little bit long. It wasn't as decisive for Volta, um, but I'm I'm fine with that they've done it this one time just because they didn't want to sacrifice Dom, which I don't think they should have done. Um, but they can just turn that switch back to what we are expecting with Volta going forward. Uh, we had the NXT Women's Championship match that saw Shayna Baszler retain, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, against Kairi Sane, Io Shirai, and Bianca Belair. Uh, this match was fantastic. Again, like I feel like a broken record talking about this NXT show. But this was... Uh, absolutely great some some wild spots in this i just fuck it every time i see that the presentation uh of Shayna baszler and uh her kind of just like snuffing out opponents i i just love her more and more uh some wild spots in this match as well including in uh 
in in a move in a spot that I think probably tickled you quite considerably, Barry, a stacked up psycho driver. Yes, yeah, like it, <laughs> I didn't know how to describe it, but that's the perfect way. Um, but yeah, I I thought this match was great. Again, it was just not really much I could say. It was just really fantastic, and I kind of thought maybe now would be the time to to have Shayna lose and and have her move on, but. As time goes on, I'm just like, nope. My initial feeling was correct. She should just be NXT champion forever. It works. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really ecstatic with how her run is going. I, I, I'm kind of at the stage now where I'm wondering, you know, who beats her now? Because it kind of feels like they've they've had her be so dominant. They, I feel like they need the next real prodigy for the company to come along and beat her. Mm. Myself and Dave know that the, the only answer is Candice Lorry. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that seems that seems good. I, I would be all in on that. That's for sure. The only thing I got out of this match was I just I wish that they had just done um, Bailey and Sasha and the Sky Pirates, and I I hope that we get that match at some point in the future. Um, yeah. But those two were awesome, and I, I love the story that they had within the match where the, it was really just kind of those two, and then you know. Bianca Belair would do a fucking stacked up psycho driver, um, <laughs> but the, the, you know these these two stole the show. These two were the the, the main kind of focus on the match, uh, and they just they're, they're amazing. Uh, and I really hope that um, I hope that they don't now back down on what they were kind of delivering when Sasha and Bailey came to NXT and said, "Yeah, we'll defend it against everyone." I hope that at some point we still get to that some way. And obviously, the, the iconics have. The, the women tag belts now and the the Iconics and the Sky Pirates doesn't quite hit the same spot <laughs> no 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 not, not quite the same level um so I don't know how we would get back to that at some point um fuck it you know what if they do a, a, an evolution show again this year like you could easily main event with with those two tag teams as far as I'm concerned um but that yeah this was cool I, I really enjoyed this and I I, I was convinced that um Basil was coming up, so fuck knows what the plan with that is. Yeah, I know. Uh, it really, it really kind of threw it through through a spanner in the works. But again, uh, cool because uh, I am happy to see Shayna kill people as long as they want to let her do that. Because you know, I her getting called up to the main roster, you think it might be a sure thing, but then you know, Oscar, so. I I think it's best to set expectations very low for anybody that gets called up, and that way you can never be disappointed. Um, the main event of this show for the vacant NXT Championship, two out of three falls, Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. Now, I've watched this match twice um, because I kind of came out of it with one impression. I saw people's takes on the match live and kind of rewatched it to see, to kind of either validate or, or see if it kind of adjusted my uh, my opinion on the match, Annie. Uh, and I'll go to you first, Mark. Um, I thought that maybe this match was a l- like it was a little bit much um, in as much as I, I think you probably could have cut about five minutes out of it. Um, and it did have a very, I think someone cracked the joke that it felt like, Jesus, it was Shawn Michaels versus Shawn Michaels out there. Like it was kind of a little bit indulgent at points where they were so busy trying to tell you, hey, look, we're having an epic match that they weren't having an epic match. That said, when it got to the final fall, it sure fucking got epic. And I, I think that's 
probably why a lot of people's reviews of the match will tick up in the end. It's that final impression of the closing stretch of that match, which was some of the the, the best stuff I saw all week. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: you couldn't come away with, from this match and say that you weren't entertained. Uh, you'd have no. to be you'd have to be a real curmudgeon to be uh, of that kind of way in mind. Uh, and I mean. <laughs> Gargano has uh, set a, a, quite the standard when it comes to takeover matches for himself. So, you know, it's the the Okada effect. You're not, he, it's impossible for him to go out there and have a fucking five-star match every single time. And uh, I don't think Adam Cole simply can have that level of match. Uh, and as you said, and I think it's a pretty uh, astute uh, review that it was kind of Shawn Michaels taking on Shawn Michaels that he's most self-indulgent. Uh, the the cell the super kicks were being spam left right and center, including the double super kick, which in fairness I popped huge for. Um, we got to the end result though, which was was Gargano winning the title, and it was a, an emotional, uh, wonderful climatic end. The crescendo was was perfectly done. Uh, we had that final moment of him and Can- Candice and uh, Champa on uh, the entrance way, and that was the only thing that mattered really. Um, this match was by no means bad, and anyone that's saying this match is bad is just wrong, just objectively wrong. Yeah. But I can see where the complaints and the faults and, and all those kind of little things uh, are, are there, and they're pretty much valid. Uh, I'm not going to dispute that. But, you know, I, the match ended, and I was entertained, uh, and that's all I can ask for. Absolutely. Uh, Barry, are we being entirely too harsh on this match? No, I, I think the criticisms are fair, and I, I share most of them. Now, I still thought it was incredible. I still, I still thought yeah. it was a good star match. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it, it, it was slow. Now, it didn't it, it didn't bore me in the first half as much as, as the Okada match. I was into this, but it was it was undoubtedly Just slow. Just digs in for Okada, left, right, and center. <laughs> well, let, let me rephrase that. It didn't bore me as much as the Jay White match. Cause it was his <laughs> uh, but it, it was... Um, you know, I was still into it, but it was very, it was funny because it was like the crowd is very quiet as well. And they're not usually quiet for takeover, but they were quiet for, for this match uh, until the, until the third fall. And then they had like the longest sustained pop in like NXT history. I mean, for the last like three minutes of this match, the crowd were just going ballistic. I mean, they were just going crazy. Uh, and I thought, I thought the, you know, I thought both guys worked their asses off. I love both guys in big matches. The only, the only, you know, negatives I have on Gargano have been during the Champa matches. But other than that, I mean, you know, I think maybe you know when he wrestles Ricochet, I think they tend to do. It gets into excess, but I still enjoy it. Uh, same with this. Like, you know, I think you could, you could then argue that after going too slow early, they did too much late. But uh, I mean, it certainly worked, and I was, uh, I was jumping around with the, with the final fall of this one. Uh, uh, for sure, uh, yeah, really, really, really tremendous stuff. I mean, it, it warts it all. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect to be great. No, uh, that was that was the story of this match. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very interested to see where they go with Johnny, who we all would have suspected would be kind of full time uh, main roster after WrestleMania weekend. The way well, it was I going, mean, depends but, how you uh, define two hundred five as main main <laughs> roster. Oh, oh, right in the right in the heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but look we'll we'll see what the plans are for Johnny going forward and we'll know where things lie in terms of call ups by by next week when they do the uh, this the draft. Um 
But let's move on to, uh, theoretically, the, the main event of the weekend, that being WrestleMania 35. Um, a show that I would say, while not, um, ex- with the, accept- the notable exception of a couple of matches, uh, hitting the the emotional or, or quality highs of, of the classic WrestleManias, I think a consistently entertaining show for the length of fucking show it was, um, which is more than can be said for a lot of these recent years where the, the, the bloated nature of them tends to either kind of load the good stuff towards the end or do what the last couple of years in particular have done where the first while it's it's pretty good and then it just hits like a pothole halfway through and just completely blows up the crowd um i think it was a well spaced out show in terms of the um the important matches uh which left me and and uh, it certainly seemed like the live crowd less blown up than they have in, in years before but let's get to some of the matches on this card. Uh, let's go with the Cruiserweight title first. Uh, big match buddy coming up a little bit short in what was a surprising loss to uh, Tony Nese, at least from where I sat. Um, Mark, this was uh, only... Uh, we, we had a little prediction game and only Jack guessed Tony Nese, but even he only had the commitment to say, I guess Tony Nese. It very much seemed like a coin flip with him on this. Uh, yeah, this seemed like it was done purely uh, as a hometown type thing, which was fine. But then they also did this like pretty much straight after with Ryder and Hawkins. Uh, this was okay. This was it was fine. Uh, nothing particularly memorable about it. Um, niece, I, I was perfectly happy i I think uh bunny murphy had been killing it with with the cruise weight belt and and making it seem like a pretty big deal with him running with it Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know if this is kind of a sign that they want to push him up to uh quote unquote the heavyweight division of raw and smackdown which uh, you know i'd be curious to see how he does with that but uh yeah i don't know uh niece is a a perfectly fine wrestler but I, i don't really think he has the any kind of significant presence about him to make this anything other than just a short run until they get it onto someone who they can do more with and maybe they'll just put it back on buddy like on on tuesday and just they did it purely for the the wrestlemania pop but then pop mm. seems a bit of a strong word for the opening match on the pre-show <laughs> indeed uh barry yeah i think i think i think max summed it up pretty well there i was not expecting the tony nice win but i didn't hate it i thought they put in a good shift and I think they do need to switch it up because it feels like Buddy just wins and wins and wins. And, and uh, I don't know, that roster is getting... Uh, thin isn't the right word because it's a good roster, but he's got to beat everyone. And they don't. They seem to be taking their time. They did that tournament there with a lot of mystery people that ended up being nobody especially interesting. You know, so they're... I don't think they're rolling out people onto 205 too, too quickly. So yeah, take a chance on someone new. Uh I enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it's a shame that Buddy always has to wrestle in silence, but that's the nature of being a two or five guy. But uh, yeah, this is another another good Buddy match and a, a surprising result. Yeah, uh, let's take the two battle royals together. Um, one surprising winner and one not so much. Braun Strowman, uh, Frosty the Stro- the Strowman, uh, winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and Carmella winning the uh, women's battle royal. Uh, a 30-man men's battle royal and uh, the strange number of 17 women in the re- in the women's battle royal. Um, 
Barry, what do you think about our, our winners here this year? The the trophies seem to be a bit of an albatross, so in to my mind they don't really matter at all. Yeah, I mean I mean like the the men's winner wasn't on Raw, I understand. Uh yeah. The, they they've arbitrarily decided to give a push to the men's winner two years ago. They started some new Mojo Raleigh vignettes. He got shagged <laughs> after he won it initially. I mean, it's just nothing. Uh, the broad the broad has fallen so far. I mean, he's fallen so far. This is just you know the, working with those two guys. It's just it's just total shit. Uh, at least he's he's ripped to shreds now. I mean, yeah, he's jacked. I mean, I don't know if it's just they lost faith in him because his pay per view matches. Once Roman was gone, it was like, okay, well, Braun actually can't have good matches with a lot of people. Uh, so I don't know if they saw through him or what, but, uh, you know, and working with the SNL guys, it's like, oh, he'll get his mention on, on the, the morning sports shows. I don't even think he got that. I didn't see a single clip. Like, and, and even when that does happen, it means nothing. I mean, it doesn't make the guy a star. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that was unfortunate. And Carmella, I mean, that was just stupid. I'm sick of the, I'm sick of the person hiding under the ring. Uh, I mean, we saw that with Kenny King the previous night. That was way worse for the record. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Carmella... Eh, at, I mean, at, like, least, at least Carmella isn't getting a shot. No, and it's like, at least she's like, you know, she's a fine little mid-card act that does okay on SmackDown. I don't mind her winning a pre-show Battle Royal. That's fine. But, but uh, yeah, not, not a lot of love for these two matches, I'm afraid. No. Uh, we had uh, also on the pre-show the Raw Tag Team titles changing hands as uh, Kurt Hawkins uh, broke his losing streak as he and Zack Ryder won the tag team titles from The Revival. Um, massive uh, reaction, a disproportionately large reaction for Kurt Hawkins in, uh, well, I guess, their, himself and Zack's uh, hometown area, Mark. Can you imagine if they had put even, I don't know, like one segment on on Raw to give this any kind of build? Uh, just to say, hey, uh, you know, Hawkins has had this losing streak for whatever. Um, somehow, you know, Ryder picks up a, a, a singles victory against either uh, Wilder or, or um, uh, Scott who's last Dawson. time I, Dawson that's it I just completely fucking blanked on that one um, and you know so there was this thing that okay Ryder's picked up the slack they've gotten this title title match and now Hawkins has to deliver on his end you could add one segment on Raw just to build this up and like even without that there was still that backstory and hey you know this is Hawkins in his hometown at Wrestlemania or home state whatever uh, Wrestlemania and um they're going to pick up the win and he's going to pick up the victory. And it's just, I don't understand how they weren't able to do that and just have a little bit of foresight to say, okay, cool. We'll do this. Even with that said, uh, this was fine. Uh, nothing completely memorable by any means. Um, I'm also glad that, uh, Hawkins Ryder, um, retained the next night in raw and, you know, they're actually going to at least give this something because I think we all were just expecting Ryder from 2006 of them losing them back the, the next night but mm, uh, yeah. yeah this was cool I, it was, this was a nice little moment this had more of that um, hometown pop sentiment vibe more so than the whole Tony Nese thing because uh, this at least yeah. had, you know there's something to this and it's on Raw some people so people are to some degree actually aware of it um, but just uh, the execution was fine and all, but they could have actually put just a little bit of investment into this 
But hey, asking for too much there. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Barry, big big moment. We were you getting were you getting kind of Vietnam style flashbacks to being sat in Cowboy Stadium the last time <laughs> Zack Ryder had an epic WrestleMania title win? Yeah, yeah, that was that was odd. Uh, I mean, that I, this was at least kind of a well, I don't want to say it was logical because I wasn't expecting it, but at least kind of made sense. I mean, that completely caught me off guard when he won that one. Uh, but I thought this was all right. I thought this was uh, a WrestleMania of feel-good moments, and I thought this was another perfectly fine one on the card, and the match was uh, rock solid, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we then had the main card begin with the Universal title, Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar. Barry, I'm going to go straight to you as I run to the bathroom as uh, we talk about this one. No, this is no reflection on one Seth Rollins. It's just a reflection on my poor bladder control at this point in the program. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I'll take it from here. I thought this was really good. Well, not, I'll, I won't say really good. I thought this was a, this was a good opener, uh, a good Brock match. Um, I like the Lesnar sprint. Uh, if Lesnar's going to do his thing and, you know, just to do his thing and, and not really branch out, I, I think it's a good idea to keep these matches 10-ish minutes. I thought the Balor one was, was way better, but it was in the... Uh, I think it was a similar kind of genre. It was just kind of Brock going crazy early and then the babyface gets a big flurry and, uh, in this case, wins with it. Um, and and I, think, I think it makes for a high-energy opener because there was no downtime we got a big baby face victory in the opener i i, I think this was uh, uh really 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 strong stuff um and uh yeah you know seth you know it's not as hot as he once was in terms of uh, momentum but uh i think i think he's gonna do well after the the long 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 time of the universal title not being on television I think Seth is going to do well as the uh, uh, the, the workhorse champion who's going to be defending it very often, and uh, you know he's got this room for him to have some great some great main events. Even though I somewhat worry about the spread of heels he'll be facing because I don't think there's too many strong heels on Raw. But that's a whole uh, that's for for a podcast to come. Uh, what about you, Mark? Yeah. What you make of this? Yeah, I I think that you can't really. Um critique this as a match uh this whole thing wasn't designed to be a good match it was purely designed to uh give seth uh a, 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 you know a convincing victory he pinned brock clean in the middle of the ring after the three uh curb stumps um it was there to to surprise the audience to get the energy going uh for the start of the show uh and i I will always, I guess, have a problem with the winner of the Royal Rumble opening the show, but at the same time, the way that they uh, executed this, it, hey, look, Heyman come out, and he was like, look, if my client isn't going to be the main event of the show, let's get this fucking thing over with. And from that perspective, it completely made logical sense, and, and I have no issue with that, um, even with the whole Royal Rumble thing. Just it, Sure, Seth wants to come out, and if, if Brock wants to do this now, let's do this. Uh, so... It's not a thing that you rate as a match. You, it really is more of an angle, uh, and I think this uh, all worked as intended. And um, I, I think that they have, uh, for the first time in a while, a, a babyface champion on Raw that they can run with. And Finn may have been that, but you know injuries happened. But I think that uh, Seth has a real chance to to have a, a, a 
you know, one of those kind of like, uh, kind of like a Bret Hart run in the mid '90s, where just he, he has the crowd behind him, uh, and I don't think that uh, the crowd's going to be turning on him anytime soon. No, yeah, no, completely agree on that. Um, it's it is as Barry said, it's refreshing to have a, a universal champion that can actually defend the title every month and. It was kind of, uh, when Brock had it initially, it was kind of cool that getting to see the Universal Champion was a bit of a, you know, a spectacle. It wasn't a given. It made the title feel special, but I think it went way too far the other way to the point where, why do we give a fuck about this title? We never see it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm up for Seth uh, to have a good, uh, nice, lengthy run. And uh, he promises to be a fighting champion, so hopefully at least we'll get some uh, some good matches out of it while it lasts. Um, moving on to AJ Styles defeating Randy Orton in a match where I think the biggest heel in the building was the spotlights, Mark. Sorry, I missed that. I had to read something. Apologies. I got distracted there for a second. And again, How apologies, apologies, apologies. <laughs> uh, AJ- <laughs> AJ Styles defeating Randy Orton. Okay, yeah, I mean, this is probably the spotlight. This is probably why I got distracted because that match was just there. Um, I I don't think it that was fine. It was fine. I it, it goes without saying that AJ AJ Styles' best match at WrestleMania is still against Shane McMahon. Uh, and you know what? I kind of hope it stays that way because just the 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 concept of that uh, I enjoy greatly. Uh, yeah, this just was there. Uh, I mean. This could have been on SmackDown. Uh, it's not. Uh, I see. I think at this point, like whenever anyone says, "Oh yeah, Orton's in there. Oh, this would be a good match," they're playing off of Orton from I don't know nine, ten years ago. Like Orton is not there to have a as, good match at this so, point. As somebody said during this match on Twitter, he may be the the worst good wrestler in the world. I still think that even that is giving him too much credit. Uh, there's just there is nothing <laughs> wow. to there is nothing to this act anymore that. Uh, there is any enjoyment to be had and hey look i mean more power to him he's there he earns his money uh he's i imagine he's in a pretty comfortable slot um but if anyone's expecting him to go out there and even deliver you know like three and a half stars it's just not gonna happen and this was completely forgettable uh though i did enjoy the 450 where styles nearly (laughs) crushed the ribs of of paul randy indeed um Barry, it, it's safe to say there are a few things in this world as funny as when Randy Orton turns on a WrestleMania crowd. Yeah, always good, always good when he gets all annoyed and flustered and starts <laughs> to talk to them rather than focus on the match. I always like that. <laughs> but uh, but you know what? I have to say, I, I actually thought this match was it was good fun. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a solid second match uh, uh, on the card. Um, good level of action. Again, it didn't stay its welcome. I actually thought it was quite fun. Uh, and I did feel bad for Orton. He, he said on Instagram that the fans, uh, he's sorry they missed it. It was a great fucking match. And I was like, I wouldn't say it was great, but it was certainly one of his better matches in recent memory. Um, and what it, I mean, AJ has not had a great run on pay-per-view lately. I thought it was one of his better matches, one of his better pay-per-view matches as well. So I, it was a shame that, that it became the, the protest chat match. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Um... We had our SmackDown tag team title fatal four-way match uh, as the Usos beat Alistair Black and Ricochet, Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura, and The Bar. Uh, Barry, what would you think of this? And only 10 minutes for a lot of people to get their shit in. Well, that was perfect. It was, it was just yeah. right by the time they got that shit in and they went home. 
what else do you what else do you need? Uh, you know, big big Tony Cesaro got to shine. He got the big uh, he got the big swing in. Uh, it's kind of reminded me of the of a, of a shorter version of the New Japan Heavyweight Tag uh, from the G1 Supercard. Just all action. Uh, that was good stuff. And uh, the Usos, man, they're great. They're the business. Uh, uh, I'll happily watch them wrestle every new team that comes their way. They are they are superb. Uh, yeah. So this was this is a really solid mid card match. Mark, three years ago, we watched Shinsuke Nakamura, Sami Zayn in a religious experience yeah, live at NXT TakeOver. And it's been all fucking downhill what? since. <laughs> uh, one year ago, he won the uh, the Rumble Challenge for the title. And here we are now. Yep. Didn't take a bump in this match, I don't think. No. And again, <laughs> fair play to him. Yeah, uh, he's become a worse wrestler, but a better worker. Yeah, I have to... <laughs> I have to say, out of the two in his tag team, I felt more sorry for Rusev than Shinsuke, because that man deserves more. Uh, the thing I wanted to point out, there was two things. That's, that man still cares. I, well, I, I don't know about that at this point, but he still just deserves more, and I can't blame him for not caring. Uh, the first thing is that in the span of a, a week, uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet managed to lose a Raw tag team match, an NXT tag team match, and a SmackDown tag team uh, championship match. So... Uh, really hitting a thousand, um, but you know, I I don't think they needed to win the belts in any of them. I think a lot of people expected they'd win this one. Um, I I don't know if I was the only one out of our group of four to predict that the Usos would retain. Um, I will take that victory and run with it because the Usos are fucking awesome, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm more than happy for them to keep these belts for another six months and just go through tag team after tag team because um, they are just they are one of the best things in this company, and I'm I'm just happy that after the big thing about them finally getting a, a main card mania slot last year that they got it again this year because I was worried thinking that they'll end up back on the pre-show again which is just a complete disservice to them and how they've got themselves over after repackaging themselves um, and yeah this was good good fun 10 minute sprint really enjoyed the, the Cesaro swing that went on for a day and a half um, and uh, yeah this is cool I, I had no issues with this uh, moving on we had uh Shane McMahon defeating The Miz and his dad. Falls Count Anywhere match. Mark, um, the, the the reviews of this match vary wildly, to say the least. Uh, Anyone who didn't enjoy this match yeah. just can get in the bin, as far as I was going to say, in, in the room with yourself, myself, and Brony, we fucking loved this match. Uh, Shane McMahon took the worst bump he has taken <laughs> since 2001 King of the Ring, except this he, time it was... Well, actually... Most of the bumps in that match weren't intended. Yeah. So he, I, he 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 got thrown over a rail, bounced off a golf cart, and fell about six or eight feet. Just a horrendous bump that would only not be completely matched by a bump that Ronda would take later on in in relatively similar circumstances. But uh, that was that was violent, and I didn't think he was getting back up. But fair play to him, uh, he did. Um, just you know, just a, a a walk and brawl. And the thing about this mania card is that one of the areas where um, it, the the length of it actually served as a positive is you had a very wide variety of matches on this show. You had your short squashes. You had the uh, the emotional um, uh, celebration of Kofi Kingston. You had the um, the, the 
the first time main event with the women, you had two 50-year-old men fucking just sapped the life out of an audience and took 10 years off of my life. And then you had this, just this, you know, very much a, an attitude-era type walk and brawl uh, with um, a, a different side to The Miz that we've seen before in in terms of pretty just this whole feud, really. Like, him as a babyface in a much more convincing babyface role um, and him being more physical. And his dad who is just the fucking star of this show and of my heart and him putting his arms up ready to go and fisticuffs with McMahon and Shane coming over and just kind of getting his arms into correct position like Look, this is how you do it and then just kind of flicking him and him crumpling to the floor uh this whole thing was for me high art and um <laughs> the finish I think I predicted Shane to win this because I thought that they may continue this feud and I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to do that and I'm fine with this. Like, Yeah, you were on an absolute tear on predictions for this show. Yeah, and but the thing is, is um, I think this, this feud still has legs so I, I'm more than happy for this to, to go on to next month and next month is, yeah. is Money in the Bank so uh, well, I, I expect I, them to be I, Money I in the Bank and I expect was... Shane to win that. Yeah, I can't remember whether it was the post-wrestling show or the, the grapple spotlight. One of them said this is obviously leading to the two of them in Saudi Arabia again for that cup. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I guess there is that. <laughs> like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah. Well, that's going to deflate me on that. Yeah. But anyway, um, Barry, where, where were your impressions of this match? Were you high on it, low on it? I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought I was terrified when Shane took that just ridiculous spot where he threw himself over a barricade onto the roof of a golf cart that had that was about the roof of which was about two by two. No wonder yeah. he fucking fell off the thing. What was he expecting to, was going to happen? <laughs> it's a miracle he hit it at all. Um, yeah. and, and by that point, like only a couple of minutes of the match, he was just caked in sweat. He was going to just slide off as like a water slide. Yeah, god damn. I'm glad that they went out to the cro- into the crowd and they did a, some wacky brawling and they took some dangerous bumps because, my God, the first half of this match when it was Shane doing his punches on the Miz, holy shit. Miz's dad had better stance than than Shane. He's just never going to be good at it. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was wild and I thought it was uh, another great brawl like we mentioned earlier in the indie section, another brawl that felt like it had a bit of heat to it. And, uh, yeah, it was a bit Attitude Era, but, you know, in a good way, the good aspects of the Attitude Era. I thought they... Uh, they uh, had a lot of life to this view, and I thought the finish was actually pretty clever. Uh, kind of felt like Miz was kind of taken down by his own hubris in a way, which I appreciated. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. I reckon it'll continue, and I'm interested to see what they do next. Um, the women's tag team title fatal four-way match in a bit of a shocker. The Iconics defeated the Boston Hood Connection, uh, Nia Jax and Tamina, uh, Beth Phoenix and Natalia. Uh, Barry, a bit of a turn up for the books. Really nice moment because uh, we've been hearing in interviews all week about just how much kind of being where they are means to, to Peyton and Billy and uh, and things like that. So it was a really nice moment, but um, I, I'm kind of worrying for the, the quality of their defenses. Yeah, I got badly ratioed on Twitter on Sunday night when I said that it was going to be dire watching them wrestle on three shows. But... Uh... But say, I mean, hey, I mean, they, they had good gear. They looked great. Uh, I'll say that much. But uh, yeah, I, I expected them to win. I thought it was kind of the obvious decision because they are kind of they're they're kind of the 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 up and coming team. They got a bit of momentum. The crowd are kind of behind them. The traveling fans were big time behind them, um, and they do have that real world factor of people know what does mean a lot to them. So I, I that was actually I, I think I think 
I was expecting them to win. The match wasn't kind of the train wreck I was expecting, but it wasn't good. Uh, I mean, God, I mean, who else was in there? Tamina and and fucking the other one, you know, Nia Jax. Nia Jax. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I should, one. Switch that, I should switch that around because on that team, I'd say Nia Jax is better. But uh, I mean, they were terrible. It's not like it was this awful performance, but they're just not good. I I was I enjoyed Beth Phoenix's contribution. It was great seeing her in there again. Uh, and Sasha and Bailey were were good. I, I enjoyed them. It was you know it was it was okay. It wasn't it wasn't anything terrible. And I thought the the result was the right result. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know it's still it's fairly uh, fairly lukewarm beginnings for this title. I think. Yeah, uh, Sasha, the title defense on pay per view albatross that she is, uh, <laughs> suffering yet another loss. Um, Mark, what did you think of this one? I don't remember a thing about this match. Oh, were you asleep during this one? Um. Either I was, or this match put me to sleep, but I just, yeah, it was here. Uh, I predicted the Iconics to win, uh, that's my big takeaway. Uh, I am clairvoyant, and uh, the Iconics can take these belts to SmackDown and continue to have bad matches. Uh, so, that's that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the WWE title match. Kofi Kingston defeating Daniel Bryan in a work of art one of the great WrestleMania matches, one of the great WrestleMania stories, the the turnaround in, like, we talk about Kofi Kingston long overdue, 11 years, um, this journey to, to a WWE title, and we, we've heard all the, the kind of snippets from the interviews that are being dug up, like there was a there was an interview clip dug up um, the, last night or the night before uh, where Xavier Woods was interviewed around the start of the new day and asking did he have aspirations to win the world title and he said his aspiration was to have Kofi win the world title so the the whole emotion of this thing I was a fucking wreck when this match was over I was so happy for Kofi but let's not let's not discount the work of arguably the greatest man to ever lace a pair of boots Daniel Bryan because he managed in the space of five years to turn from the wrestler that people were threatening all sorts if he didn't win the title at WrestleMania 30 to people were threatening all sorts if he didn't lose the WWE title at WrestleMania 35. He played his part to perfection. And uh, I'll go to Barry first on this. Uh, before you talk about this match, did did you did you see his WWE.com promo that was the most kind of like hair standing on end, passionate heel promo he's done to date possibly? Yeah, it was fantastic. I, I was kind of wishing they did it on the pre-show or something like that. I got it on the actual broadcast somewhere. Uh, he killed it. He, he was great. But, uh, I mean, yeah, this match was just amazing. I mean, it is... There's so much great stuff to talk about. I mean, I mean, we can, we can get to the Kofi thing and the significance of that. But, like, Brian's performance... Could you think of a better person for Kofi Kingston to have this match and have this feud with? Because I honestly can't. Because it's just he's he's a wrestling genius, and since he's turned heel, even though the character hasn't been for me, when you look at the Brock match and you look at this match, it's just your reminder that he is arguably the greatest wrestler of all time. He's just incredible. It uh, is very hard to argue against it. That's for sure. I mean, like with the big key spot in this match. Of all matches, a Kofi Kingston world title match at WrestleMania, the big key spot was like was like 
Kofi like ground and pounding Brian out of like a grappling position on the ground, but it was tremendous because and had, it, it had was, everybody flipping the fuck out for it. Everyone going crazy and just the section when when Brian was working over his ribs and like when have you ever watched a Brian match where he worked over the ribs as well? It was just like and it, it seems like he was working over the ribs exclusively because he knew if I work over the ribs and then we do the yes kicks later in the match, I'm kicking him in the chest. Kofi can fire up and get the crowd behind him and sure enough he did and it was awesome it was just like god the guy is just he's a fucking genius he's he's so good and it's i i feel like you know people throw that term around and like you know kenny omega is a really clever guy and he comes up with lots of you know he's got a real sense of ingenuity about him and he is very innovative but when people say he's a genius in the ring i'm like he's not he is not he's extremely clever in the ring Brian Danielson is a genius. He is a genius, um, and and he was so perfect here. And you know, I think I think the real the real all time great pro wrestlers. I mean, they are great in moments like this when it's their time to put someone else over. Um, because the real the real hallmark of quality in, in your work is when you get the other guy over to that elite level. Um, and you we can talk about all that, and that's before you even talk about Kofi, who was who's awesome in this match as well. And um, I mean, I uh, this is up there with with the all time feel good moments in pro wrestling for me. I I welled up at the conclusion of this match because the it was the rawest, realest, uh, uh, happy happy ending ever. I mean, Xavier Woods. Oh, as soon as I saw him crying, I I I was nearly gone. I mean, that he, he got me there, and then he got me again when he was unveiling the title. When they brought the real title back, because he was like, Kofi's the, he's the first ever black WWE champion, and we're, we're, we're presenting him with this real belt. It's his real belt. It's the real deal. And then his kids came in the ring. Oh, my God. What a moment. I mean, God, you talk about all this... WrestleMania moment stuff. I mean, this was this is as much of a this is as pure a WrestleMania moment as it gets. I mean, we might not see another one of these for another thirty five years. I mean, it was just wonderful. I have not rewatched it since um since I watched it live, but I badly want to. Um, it's it's uh, even better. That's uh, so why I'm I I am probably going to end up going the full five on this. I had it at four four and a half, four and three quarters, but. On rewatch, I'm noticing even more of the small things that Brian is doing throughout it, and I just, uh, it's it's fucking just fabulous professional wrestling. Um, it it seems to be this thing that every four to five years, um, they figure this shit out and they realize that it doesn't have to be that complex, and it usually is just a completely organic thing. And we had Punk in 2011, we had Daniel Bryan in 2014, and we've had Kofi this time, and. Um, it's I enjoy that you know the last time this happened in this fashion was with Daniel Bryan and that you know Daniel Bryan was a part of this whole thing as well Um, and it was just played to perfection Um, now it must be said that the most uh, over act of this whole thing is actually Kofi's kid who seems very comfortable for being on the top rope and throwing shirts out into the crowd second Ah. generation star on the way uh, but this just whole thing was beautiful, and it's one of those times where you just kind of remind yourself, like, why do I watch this? Why do I, a lot of the time, endure um, this specific company? Uh, it's just because sometimes they remember how to do this shit, and they just they see when the momentum is going in in a particular direction. Uh, in both with this and both with with Becky Lynch, and they just they go with it. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we've spoken about some of the, the missteps they've done with particular aspects of um, the, the build-up to this match. But, you know, when it came to it, when they came to this match, um, they had two excellent professional wrestlers just go out there and tell this story. And uh, it just it paid off. And it's kind of incredible to think about Kofi Kingston being the first black WWE champion when you think back to who could have had that belt at uh, points whether you think of like Armour Johnson or Bobby Lashley or I guess Booker T is kind of the one you was thinking would have had that belt although it was the World Heavyweight Championship when, with Triple H but um, there have been so many opportunities or chances before where it could have happened and you know there are extenuating, extenuating circumstances why it didn't happen um, but just seeing Kofi come out and roll the next night with it and nothing about it felt like he didn't earn it and didn't deserve it and uh, just uh, by far the highlight of this WrestleMania, the highlight of any WrestleMania going back to 2014. And I, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that would disagree with that. Absolutely. I know that guy couldn't, couldn't say it any better than the, the two we have just there. Um, the unenviable task of following this. I think, again, it, this is another testament um, to how well thought out this show was in points because... Uh, following this was Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, and this was a one-minute match. Uh, Rey Mysterio uh, injured, um, couldn't really put on a, a clinic here, and this was kind of exactly what it needed to be. Joe choked him out, looked like a fucking killer, and it kind of gave you a little bit of respite um, from the, the emotional heights that we just experienced. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't think this match was going to go that long anyway, uh, and I think yeah. that Mysterio's ankle injury sped up the whole process of going, yeah, just make this go a minute. Um, it didn't need to be more than that. I mean, just make Joe a killer. And Ray is over regardless of what you do with him. So, uh, and you can easily have them do another match next month and, and have it go on a 12 minutes or whatever. So, uh, and certainly, you know, after the whole thing with uh, Kofi, this was the right place to put this match. And even though it seems weird to have like, and I was talking to you about this, like the formatting of WWE shows, and you made a, a, a the correct argument for why it doesn't matter, but or maybe it does, but whatever. Like I think of a you know Wrestle Kingdom and how they have all the lower card matches that are just kind of meaningless and they build up from like the junior heavyweight match to the, maybe the tag titles match to the neverweight, the intercontinental, the the main event and you know you can have these kind of lengthy uh impactful matches that uh go one after the other and as long as they're good and as long as the wrestlers are incredible it will work and there was a kit wrestle kingdom like two years ago that was exactly that so it still does kind of seem weird that you open with the universal match and you know halfway through the card you have the wwe match championship match and then you have the u.s title match after and then you have the fucking intercontinental match which is in fairness it's the ic belt so you could have it be second from the top but the context of that match and who was involved you wouldn't afford it um so all of that aside this was the right place to put this after what had come before yeah, well, what did you make of this, Barry? Yeah, I think I think Mark kind of summed it up. I mean, it, it was it was a good place for it. Um, I think anything you, anything of of significance, any actual match you'd put in that spot was going to die anyway. Mm. Um, so uh, so yeah, I, I I feel like they didn't make a big enough deal over the fact that Mysterio got beat in sixty seconds, like the commentators and stuff. It was not treated as any kind of mad event. 
which is kind of a bummer. They said, oh, well, Samojo won his match to the back, to the back. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that was a bit of a bummer, but it was all right still. Uh, we had uh, Roman Reigns. We went. We go from Samoa Joe to the Samoa name Joe. Uh, Roman Reigns defeating Drew McIntyre in a match that really does... I don't have a whole hell of a lot to say. Uh, crowd was kind of muted for for Roman coming out here, but I kind of can't blame them because this is multiple hours into a show uh, after, as I said, a real emotional climax of a WWE title match. Uh, and with absolutely nothing on the line here and it being a foregone conclusion, I, I can't imagine uh, that there was really much to get up for. Uh, Barry? Yeah, I thought it was dull. I, I feel like it was an indictment of Drew as a potential top guy. I think it was a worrying sign that the goodwill surrounding Roman has only kind of carried him so far and it's not going to sustain him forever as a top face. I think the disinterest is there. I think I think people um, uh, they, 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 people are just hardwired to, to, to not like Reigns at this stage. Um, and, and obviously, while everyone's very happy he's back, I think I think the average fan who, who attends these shows, I think they're going to be right back on their bullshit before long. Um, yeah, this is a bummer. I mean, this is one of those things when you say, oh, we should cut the time of these shows and people say, oh, well, who would you cut? You know, I'd cut this. Not everyone has to be on the show. Like, I, I think we could have predicted ahead of time. I, I expected the match to be better in the ring, first of all. I expected a bit more physicality. It was very safe. Um, but in terms of crowd apathy, I mean, I think everyone could have predicted that. You had to know Drew was not going to be bought on that level. Um, this, uh, yeah, this, I mean, this should have been left on the cutting room floor. It was just, it was, um, it was nothing. It was like a raw main event. Yeah, it was weird. Um, what what did you think of this, Mark? I I can't really add anything more to what Barry said. Like, just um, they build up Drew very strongly uh, in this feud and, and made him look like a killer. And uh, it was on him to go out there and deliver something. Um, and just there was nothing here, man. And Drew's a weird one. Like there are times where he looks like he could make that next step up, and then there are times where he just just it's not there. And on uh, the the most important, it, really, this was the biggest match of his career. Even though he's had you know title matches and um, stuff like in ICW when they did Barrowlands, and uh, that was their biggest uh, show at that time. And uh, but this, for him, you know, to go out there at Mania against Roman Reigns, considering everything with him and how he started in the company and going into 3MB and... Actually, no, we'll see is still his biggest match to date. What am, what am I talking about? <laughs> um, but this just this was just nothing. There was nothing here. And this looked poorly on both of them. Uh, for Roman, who went out there and... Uh, yeah, I, I just... I don't have a lot to say about it. Like, yeah. I, I figured that... Where people were saying how uh, AJ and Orton were going to have a good match, I thought this could have been the place where these two could have just gone out there and uh, killed it, and uh, Drew could have done his crazy uh, top rope con Hilo, but no, nah, nothing, just nothing. Yeah, um, then we had uh, Triple H versus Batista. Um, uh, a Mad Max entrance only about three or four years after the fact, good man Paul, uh, and then Batista... Falling over twice trying to get into the ring. Really not great harbingers for what was to follow. 
Uh, I thought then... shit-faced. I was like, what is this deal? <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then they went in there trying to have a first-round tournament of death match at the start. Uh, where, yeah, like, did they, why did they do the, the plier spot in like the first two minutes and then had a, a plotting Triple H hardcore match for the rest of the yeah. match? Why did they do the pliers at the end? It was like the hardcore version of that WrestleMania 25 match where him and Orton just did their finishers up top and then had a fucking snooze fest after yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a perfect comparison. Oh, uh, it was, yeah, it was like, it, it, it was kind of the. The, the use of implements was so fucking jarring at first, but not in a way that like it woke me up and I had to watch this match, but in a way it's like, what the fuck are they doing? And how long is this going to last if he's already trying to like tear off a man's fingers and he ripped his nose ring out with a pair of pliers and shit like that so early in the match? And then, yeah, it was just so pained by numbers afterwards. Um... It just it just wasn't great at all, was it, Barry? No, it wasn't, and it, it, it's kind of like like uh, there was bits of it that were okay. Big Dave took some crazy bumps, but again, it was too long. Like a lot of things on this, not a lot, not a lot of things. Like some stuff on this show, it was too long, and and uh, the good ideas were stretched too thin, uh, and and they were both just showing their age. I mean. It, <laughs> How long can this Triple H stuff go on? I mean, I, I, I really... He, he just kills the momentum of every show every year. Um, uh, and, yeah. And I, I, as an aside, I I always liked the story that Triple H, the guy who always won and always beat everyone and very selectively put people over. I always liked that he never beat Batista. I thought it was just an interesting facet of his character. And you know, because he's even traded wins with Brock. I mean, he's beaten everyone, you know, but it was like he never beat Batista. He always put him over clean and he put him over clean at this crucial part, part in WWE history where they really desperately needed a new star. And Triple H selflessly made the guy, you know, he didn't make him so that he could beat him down the line. He just made him because it was the right thing to do. Uh, and, he, and I guess he was his buddy. But still, that's that's, you know, relevant. But uh, like to get his win back 15 years later was such a bummer, and <laughs> you know, and oh, they put his. I tell you what, it's a big indictment of Triple H's career. No one gave a fuck about the near falls in this match when it was supposedly going to be his retirement match. I mean, nobody gave a shit about it. Um, I think because they knew he was winning. I, I, I think when it comes time for Triple H to actually retire, I think they'll make it a bit more obvious than this. Um, yeah. But yeah. It was it was super flat. It really was. Like I said, I mean, they they did that spot where they ripped out Dave's nose ring, you know, in the first five minutes. I mean, that was cool. I was like, Jesus Christ, what's gonna what's gonna come next in this in this match? But it was nothing special. It, bo- it boiled down to more tired sledgehammer spot. You know what I mean? If they pulled out the weed whacker, that would have at least added a star. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, oh, we, we were talking about this uh, either yesterday or the day before, Dave. That when you think back to Triple H and a, the, the last sort of 10 years of his career, but also kind of as a whole, his uh, appearances at WrestleMania, like by and large, it's not a pretty good track record. I mean, no. he had the, the triple threat with Ben Warren Michaels, which is, all right, fine, that is one of the, the best matches in Mania history, but by and large, it's, it's a lot of duds. And in the last 10 years in particular, uh, other than... 
uh, we were trying to kind of figure out like, like what are his best matches in the last 10 years and his last like very good match which was surprise surprise against Daniel Bryan but definitely since then everything has been I mean the Sting match was just smoke and mirrors and I enjoyed it for the campy fun that it was and I wasn't expecting that to be great but the, the Rollins match was, was trash. The fucking Roman Reigns match, which, I mean, right, we were there live after seven hours, which didn't help, but that thing was awful. Uh, the the Taker match in Saudi Arabia, the the tag match, the fucking tag match last year. <laughs> Good Lord. I know the, the Taker match was in Australia, wasn't it? Um, yeah, the, the tag match at Mania last year was good because Ronda carried everybody. Yeah, and the, exactly. And the, the, I mean, the tag match last year was a miracle in itself. But if we're just going kind of straight up like singles matches, there, there's just not a lot to work with. And, uh, you know, him and his role and what he's doing behind the scenes, I'm all for and, and you know, transitioning into being the new Vince. But doing all the stuff that he does, there's a lot of positives there. But in terms of him as a character in front of... Of, of the camera yeah, he's he's funnily enough not nearly the the character that vince was no no and just he's he just he he doesn't need to be out there in the ring and he doesn't need to be out there for 20 fucking minutes doing as you said tournament of death round one matches which is just a, <laughs> a beautiful uh comparison to make uh this was bad and it's really sad just because I was saying last week, I really like Batista. I like him as as a character, and I think he's a very good wrestler for how limited he was when he started and at his age. Uh, and just as a person, uh, he's a good person, and he made that transition into Hollywood when no one gave him a chance. Uh, and and I, I wish that he could have had a, a better send-off than this, and I don't know if he'll be happy or proud of this performance. Maybe he will, I don't know. I mean, he got to go out there with his close friend to have the match that he wanted to have, um, and not everyone gets to do that, so, you know, fair play to him, but this was just, at this point on the card as well, this fucking thing just bored me to tears. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's much more can be said on that one. Uh, next match, uh, Big Barry Banter, Beach Ball Corbin, Big Breakfast himself, defeated Kurt Angle. We thought maybe Kurt would beat Baron Corbin, John Cena would come out. John Cena was uh, instead, uh, he came out in a different segment, which was right before this, wasn't it? Or slightly earlier on than this, um, when he came out and, and did a skit with Elias. But uh, Baron Corbin, he just beat Kurt Angle okay six minutes kind of a little bit of a wet fart of, a, of an ending to Kurt Angle's career but what can you do um yeah I don't really have anything else to say about this I'm throwing straight to Barry yeah god what a bummer I mean it was like I didn't even mind him losing uh well I don't want to say I wouldn't mind him losing to Corbin because I'm not big on Corbin, but I, to, to look at it glass half full, I was like, "Well, look, he's a new guy. They're trying. They've been trying with Baron for a while. They're going to give him another shot." I mean, I I could kind of rationalize that in my head, um, uh, you know. So so him winning was fine, but I I couldn't believe what a non-event it was. Um, it was just they had it was a, like a four-minute match or whatever it was, and. There was no, they didn't do any kind of, Kurt, Kurt did his moonsault, you know, which he doesn't do anymore for obvious reasons. He busted it out for his last match. Um, but other than that, they really didn't treat it as any kind of epic. And I think that's, the unfortunate reality is I think they didn't have a bigger match because they probably couldn't. 
which I think is also why they didn't put John Cena in this position or put The Undertaker in this position. I mean, Undertaker and Kurt would probably be fairly tragic these days. Um, so that's probably why they didn't bother. Um, but yeah, it was a bummer. I mean, it was really disappointing. Um, uh, and uh, they put it in the death spot this late in the in the show. I think they probably should have done like Flair and Michaels and put it somewhere in the middle. I think um, I would have put this super early. I would have put this like, Put that second on the card. You know what I mean? It's just, if they're going to have a nothing match, get him out there nice and early and uh, let Angle have his, his moment. And then, you know, put Orton and AJ late in the card. Put them in the dead slot because they they have a nothing feud anyway. You know, um, yeah, I, I was not a fan of this at all. And it, it really did not uh, did not sit well with me at all, really. Mm. Mark, was this the low point of the show? Uh, I don't think it was the low point of the show, but it was definitely just the most disappointing. Uh, I mean, they should have just uh, had Angle go out there and in two minutes throw a bunch of German suplexes, pull out the moonsault, hit the ankle lock. And I think you would have had the crowd going wild for that. Um, but Baron Corbin is is just a non-entity and is as close to that you know ex-park heat as you can get. Uh, some people seem to think that no, he does have genuine heat, and I'm just like, no, I just I, I have no desire to watch him wrestle. You know, there is heat where you want to see the man get his comeuppance, but I don't have that. I just don't want to watch him wrestle. He just brings nothing to the the table other than he's a tall man. Um, this existed, and it's uh, it's it's a shame that Angle's gone out like this. But I mean, he had his moment last year. Um, you know, if he'd had his last match at last year's Mania, uh, I think that would have been a, a, a send-off that he could have been proud of. Um, but, you know, like, the, the end, the, the run-up to the end of Ric Flair's career, um, there wasn't really much to talk about there, but, you know, there was still at least a little bit more to it than this. And he obviously had a, a not a great, but a good match with Michaels to, to send him on his way. And that was with Shawn fucking Michaels. I mean, Angle... If he wasn't going to get the win and to put a guy over, they could have done so much more. And because it was Baron Corbin, it, this should have just been no more than two minutes and a, a, a quick pin for, for Angle. So, um, And then they fed into Lars Sullivan the next night. So, Which, in fairness, like they could have had fucking... You know, if they had done what they did with Corbin on, on Sunday with Lars Sullivan, I could have at least bought that a little bit more than what they went with here. So there you go. Mm. Uh, next match, speaking of matches I don't have a lot to say about, uh, Finn Balor in his demon garb beating Bobo Lasho for the Intercontinental title in four minutes, five seconds. I got nothing. It happened. We all knew the main event was coming. What was the entire second half of this show about in hindsight? I mean, like, a bunch of thrown-together shit that they didn't even give any time to. I wonder, was this just a case of they knew the crowd was going to be emotionally blown up after Kofi? And just waiting for the main event, so it didn't matter. This was the the the, the garbage hole to throw everything else into. I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, what what did you think of uh, Bobo Lasho's contact lenses, Barry? I, they existed. Yeah. yeah, was he going for a character or something? I don't know what the fuck he was going for. Um... <laughs> it's weird to have a character that dry do something that colorful. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was weird to 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 wrap 
my head around. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, his um, uh, his get up bothered me less than than Balor's. I just I'm just not into the demon thing at all. I just think it's stupid. Um, yeah, it was it was much better. Like it back when he could do the like legally protected cosplay entrances as opposed to just sticking with variations on the same theme over and over again it, it felt cooler but uh yeah now when it's kind of just the, the same thing with little changes here or there and i think a lot of people are particularly over his like his his like hose pipe haircut thing he's got going on uh during his entrances as a demon but yeah uh I totally get that Let, let's just without further ado go on to the main event uh, winner take all women's three way Charlotte, um, Ronda Rousey, and Ireland's own Becky Lynch. Um, in terms of match quality, uh, you know, not not a patch on on Kofi to say the least. Um, the finish, obviously, people have been talking about all week. I don't want to labor that point all too much, but in the end, they stuck with the right call. The right woman won. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm Irish that I felt very happy at the end of this show, uh, whereas some other people didn't in terms of, like, it's not the climactic moment that, say, Kofi winning was because of that weirdness with the pin. But uh, what did you think of this one, Barry? Uh, I, was, I, was pretty do- I was pretty disappointed with it. Mm. Um, I thought it felt a little incoherent. Yeah. It felt like quintessential over-ambitious Charlotte match. Not that I think it was entirely her fault, just that's the, the frame of reference. I think most people will know, you know, when Charlotte has a big match and she has lots of ideas and they are executed kind of arseways and the match is centered around those ideas rather than having any kind of through line. Um, uh, you know, they, they they had a lot of cool ideas and it just did not come together in a lot of ways. It felt, it felt overly rehearsed. Um, the booking, I mean, I, I don't, uh, Meltzer, I've not listened to myself, apparently he compared it to, to Starcade 97. I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think it's a pretty fair uh, point. I don't think the booking of this match did, other than, you know, winning, obviously, I don't think Becky would done any favors in this match. I mean, she didn't, she wasn't booked like a badass. She didn't, you know, she didn't, not even at the finish, but like anywhere in the match, it didn't feel like she was kicking ass and taking names and, and, and putting people on notice. It felt like she yeah, was it just felt, kind it of. It felt a, like Charlotte was. Yeah, you know this. that, and Ronda was. It felt like Ronda and Charlotte had that big, you know, face off with the chop to the face and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, that was great. That was the best part of the whole match by far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, they had that little moment that was cool, and Becky was just kind of there. And then the finish that, as of this recording, people are still going back and forth. One reporter says it was planned. One says it was a fuck up, and and this, that, and the other. I don't think we're going to know for for uh, another couple of days at least what the truth of it is. But whether it was messed up or or on purpose, I mean, that was that was not a good finish. That was a pretty terrible finish, honestly. Uh, Becky winning with a crucifix, and not only winning yeah, with a crucifix, should, but like he should have tapped one or the other of them out. Should have, should have tapped one of them out. I think I think they wanted it to be Ronda because I think they knew fans would be really upset if if Ronda escaped without losing. But obviously they didn't want to definitively beat Ronda, so they couldn't do that either. So I think this was their plan. Um, but like, but even even if they didn't fuck up the finish, I mean. There was no crescendo to the match. You know what I mean. I'm not saying you have to go out there and be Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole, 
But god damn, I mean, everyone else on this show was kicking out of moves and doing all kinds of wild shit and jumping off scaffoldings. I mean, you know, th- there was none of that here. And, and so the crowd, you can tell the crowd, they wanted to be in, into the match. It's not that they didn't care, but it's that they were tired and that the work was not super stimulating. And then it just sort of ended. And I was happy Becky won. And the crowd was happy Becky won. And we got our fireworks display. And we all got our, our, you know, our wonderful shots of Becky with the two belts. And history was made. It was it was certainly, it was a worthwhile endeavor overall. But, geez, it was a bummer. I mean, I was, I was super conflicted when it was over. Because it was like, hey, WWE gave us a home run of just huge baby faces wins. History made with Kofi and Becky. They both accomplished a, a very real, very significant thing. But with the match itself, I was just like, I was like, I, I was uh, rating things on the old Grapple app all night at the Barry Lad on there, and I, I came to that one. And I was just like, I was like, two, two, seven, five. That's about it. That's about it. I can't even go three on it because I really, really hated the finish. I was like, God damn. Like, it was really just a kind of a, a kind of above average match when it was all said and done. Um, yeah, I was I was super disappointed. Yeah, no, I, I in terms of the quality of the match, absolutely. Um, my kind of my happiness uh, comes from the fact that, as you say, there have been massive babyface wins throughout. I believe there was seven title changes on this show, which is staggering. Um and I kind of it was like a happiness out of a sense of relief that I was kind of in the back of my head throughout this. I was going, Kofi won. Seth won. Oh, God, you know. Um, but Mark, what did you think of this affair? Yeah, I mean, looking over the past uh, like five WrestleManias, um, You'd have to go back to 31 for the last time that we had a, a, a genuinely like entertaining main event with the first Brock-Roman match, uh, which I think more than anything else just took everyone by surprise by how entertaining that match was. Um, but then the next three years have all been varying degrees of uh, disappointing to just bad. So I think that this match was better than any of those matches since Mania 31. Uh, I think that definitely... It suffered from the hype of a. It's you know the first women's main event in Mania history and the uh, the the build up and the uh, kind of fever pitch of hype and excitement that there is around uh, Becky Lynch at this point. But yeah, it did suffer from a number of things that have been mentioned here already. Uh, I am I'm really curious to see how like the next six months play out for for. Becky Lynch um, it should just be so easy for them to take the lightning in, in the bottle that is here um, and run with it but as, as expertly well as they put together the whole Kofi Kingston and, and execution of that like I don't think anyone expects Kofi to be the man and you know they could end his run next month and I don't think it'll matter because the whole the whole point of that story was the journey and the end result, yeah, which it, was mania. That 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 feels like a complete arc, whereas uh, to some extent, this feels like the start of the next chapter of Becky's. So exactly, like, like uh, we we have to continue to worry about them not fucking her up. Which I have less confidence in than them getting to the end peak, which was what they did with Kofi. So yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm I'm worried about that, and I could see them easily turning around at some point and going, ah, fuck it, put it back on Charlotte. 
um, but we'll see what happens with that. It I imagine a... that's a very that's a very familiar refrain around uh, the backstage in WWE. Isn't seeing as... it? I I was rocked to learn she has had eight title reigns on the main roster already. Ah, I know, right? Well, it's that whole Charlotte Sasha feud, which was the cause yeah. of that. But you can just see as well, like you know, the entrance that Charlotte got with the whole, uh, it, you know, very much a kind of Ric Flair style entrance, which I'm all for. Like, make her the biggest fucking deal you can. There's no problem with that. Um, but. It definitely felt that Becky wasn't the biggest star with the way that they presented her. Um, and again, just that, that Ronda spot where she landed very horrifically uh, to the outside of the ring. That wasn't particularly pleasant. Um, yeah. But this whole thing, it didn't end as some of us kind of speculated that they were going to do horsewomen v. horsewomen. Uh, so fuck knows how they'll come around to that if they ever do. Um, it wasn't a complete bust, but certainly the whole there are there's a lot of disappointment with from where we got to where we were at the start of the year with the rumble with her winning the rumble and how we've gone from there to the point now with with mania um there's a lot of places where a lot of people would go that's not how i would have done this um and hey we still got to the end result Becky Lynch is is the the dual champion. She's the champion of both Raw and SmackDown. I'm curious to see how they'll address that situation as well. Uh, I guess we'll get more of that with the Superstar Shake Up next week. So yeah, uh, I definitely understand the 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 sentiments of, of the disappointment that uh, surrounds this match. Absolutely. Um, in summation, I go around the table here. Um, WrestleMania 35, um, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Um, I'll start with you, Mark, seeing as you were just talking. Uh, do you know what? Even if everything else on the card had been, uh, I don't know, like Batista and Triple H, that Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston match, that whole thing was so just fucking wonderful that nothing nothing could sway me from putting this a, uh, a thumbs up this is an easy thumbs up just for that alone yeah yeah i think if i were to think too much about the gap between kofi and the main event uh i would probably be distinctly more in the middle and it would be a like a much easy unqu- much easier unqualified thumbs up top to bottom if that whole stretch hadn't been on the show however grading on the curve of recent wrestlemanias i would also be inclined to go thumbs up what about you barry uh, yeah, I'd have to go thumbs up as well. Uh, I, I thought there was enough strong stuff on the show and a lot of okay stuff as well. And then there were the bad things, but this, the show was so long that that's going to be inevitable. And I, and I didn't think there was anything especially offensive on it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I would go a really solid thumbs up. One of the better manias in recent memory, for sure. Cool. Um, right, that's going to bring the wrap-up to a close uh, this time. Uh, not sure when we'll be back next, but we shall alert you uh, in advance of such. Um, let's do. Let's go around the table and do the plugs. Mark, uh, if, if people want to hear you bang on about how bad Ring of Honor has gotten and will continue to get, where should they go? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how I can sell this, but uh, <laughs> I have a weekly podcast which I aim to drop every Monday, which is called The Honor Roll over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. 
uh, we'll be going into the groove now of just doing the the weekly television show, uh, which is usually you know solid but unspectacular. Um, so you can hear me there, and as always, listen to me on links of the cast. Which hey, at some point, me and Dave might do a show again. Yeah, we by by next week we should be back and rolling. There'll be that. significantly less WrestleMania to deal with by next week. Thank God for that. Um, Barry plugs. Uh, Twitter.com slash the Barry Lad is where I can be found live tweeting my various adventures. Uh, Twitter.com slash Gorilla Island is where you can find all the information for the PWG podcast. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be on those two places for the foreseeable future. Cool. Uh, and to self indulgently plug another show on my own show, at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter for uh, myself and Lee Malone's. Uh, Every two weeks, we look at a new episode of Thunder, um, and it is already starting to get pretty bad. Uh, and I, I did it. This this will tickle you. Uh, I, I have this thing where I committed to the podcast, and I'm only now realizing how much Thunder there was. And I gamed it out just based on how often we release episodes. Um, if you include the, the pay-per-views and don't take into account any special episodes we may do in the future, we will be talking about Thunder for nearly seven years. <laughs> which makes me feel quite ill um so yeah wcw thunderpod on twitter uh go watch two or go listen to two men lose their fucking minds every two weeks uh that's going to bring a close to the grap up um we sincerely appreciate barry coming on uh, for this review show jack joining us on the preview show and of course mark for putting up with me as ever we shall see you all the next time the great gravel light in the sky is lit and calls us all around this table see you all again soon